Here they come! Hello and welcome to episode 100 of Effectively Speaking. Reaction? Hello. 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 <laughs> there was a bit of a pause there, but uh, <laughs> yes, yes, you you might have got from that. This is a bit of a special episode. I'm not I'm not joined by one person. I'm actually joined by three people. Okay, today. So I'm your host Eric Moore, and today I'm joined by uh, Andrew. Who have we got uh, out Andrew. there? Andrew. Andrew from where? From Middlesbrough, north of England. And? Uh, this is Kelly Hogaboom from Washington State in America. And? And this is Ian from Wales. Darkest Ian Wales. Wales. Yes. Hello, all three of you. Hello. 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 Yes, yes. So, yes, uh, yes, that's my motley crew um, that I'm joined by today. And uh, as it's uh, episode 100, I thought we would do something a bit special and what's more special than having uh, three of our lovely co-hosts all together? And we're going to talk about somebody who was uh, very influential um, in um, uh, special effects and monster creations uh, back in the 50s, Paul Blaisdell. Okay, right, mm -hmm. so... Everything. Sorry, we've never done this before. This this is the equivalent of um, four people sitting down in a pub who have never met each other before. <laughs> so this is all a bit awkward. I'm I'm sorry about this, everybody. Well, and the, we yeah. don't have the benefit of body language or anything like that. Yeah. So no, yeah, it, all it drinks. Takes a far minute. too polite to speak first. <laughs> yeah. Who who's going to be the bullish one that takes charge? Uh, well, that should be you, Eric. That should be you, Eric. Yeah. <laughs> Oh. And then you can edit out, like you normally do, you can edit out all the bits where you're rude to people <laughs> afterwards. No, Ian, shush, 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 shush. Yeah, I shouldn't this, know that sorry, bit. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Well, you can edit that I'm, bit out. I'm right. the gentleman. I'm the Nicholas that's Parsons true, yeah. of this show. Yes, yes. Yeah, that That's not going to go anywhere outside of this country, is it? That's not, that's yeah. not at all. Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. So let's get started then. So yes, here we are. Episode 100, Paul Blaisdell. Instead of a um, effects sequence, we're talking about a creator mm. of effects. And I'm guessing anybody out there who, who's listening to this knows that the 50s, of course, was a, a, a time of monster movies. And thinking about it, I'm guessing, isn't the 50s the decade with the most monster movies? Would you guys agree with that? Uh, I don't know about that. I'd have to go and count. Actual monster movies. Yeah. I'm thinking yeah. the 50s is the one. Well, it's certainly the decade. If you were to say monster movie, that's the decade that's going to spring to mind, I mm. think, for anybody. Yeah, yeah def are, are definitely. Are we differentiating between a monster and, say, a human monster like a slasher? Because I would think the 70s would be. Mm. No, no, no. We're talking aliens. We're talking big things. I think aliens and big things is the 50s, isn't oh, yeah. it? Oh, yeah. Well, well uh, radiation, mutation, creatures. There you go. Definitely the That's the one. Yeah. Radiation stroke mutations. Yeah, that belongs in the 50s because, of yeah. course, in the 50s, it's the atomic bomb, isn't it? Yeah. 
Yeah, well, we didn't we didn't know at that point uh, how beneficial radiation and atomic stuff was to us. We we feared it, <laughs> didn't we? So now right. we know better, of course. Oh yeah, it's great. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> the the thing with the these is as well, they all fall under that category of B movies as well. Yeah, uh, you know the mm. B movies is very 1950. Um, that, yeah, you yeah. know m- m- most of these monster movies couldn't afford to actually do anything that good, so the B movie sort of was, I suppose, part and parcel of that. Yeah, I suppose it. it, it sort of, there's also a, a, a parallel with the slasher film in that that the fifties was probably the only time that there was an outlet for this style of very low budget, dare I say, incompetently made film. <laughs> Which in the sort of early 80s, we had the same. So in the early 80s, we had the the dawn of video. And suddenly there was a... You could make money on any old bit of crap that you filmed <laughs> on a, a, a VHS yeah. recorder. Um, and I think... And as as much... I mean, you, you mentioned at the beginning that uh, that this is this is an influential guy. I, I think for people that know, in the know, it probably is. But for your average layman, I doubt anyone's ever heard of him. Yeah, well, I would there, agree with there that. is a reason yeah. for it. Well, sorry, there's, po- sorry, there's probably big more people. There. Yeah, I was going to say there's probably more people that own a bit of carpentry that he's done than have seen his films. <laughs> <laughs> Bless him. Yes, yeah. Well, that, that, there is a reason for it, and and we'll get into that. <laughs> is it that the um, films are not very good? <laughs> well, this is the problem because the films weren't very good, but you can't really knock Paul Blaisdell for that no. because, you know, his enthusiasm was there, his talent was there. Unfortunately, he latched onto, or a company <laughs> latched onto him that wasn't very good, was it? No. No. It almost yeah. sounds like he kind of. <clears throat> he got used to working for cheap and working really hard and feeling underappreciated. I mean, I was just doing a little bit of research on the guy's short career and um I've I've known a lot of artisans like that, right? They they don't feel appreciated and they they dive into their work and then they kind of burn out. Mm. So, you know, I don't know that much about him, but that was kind of the impression I got. Yeah, yeah but what you just just described there is um, me, Ian, and Andrew, isn't yeah. it? Well, well, but you burn guys are out. burning out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that describes <laughs> us. Um, it's, it's weird as well that I think, and this hasn't really changed from the 50s, is that once you're labelled as a low-budget filmmaker or a low bu- working for low-budget filmmakers, you can't. it's very hard to make that break into more mainstream. Uh, I mean, for, for everyone, it? writers, directors. Um, I mean, like Roger Corman... I mean, I don't know what everyone else's view on Roger Corman. I don't think his films are that good. I don't think he was a particularly great director. He was very, he was a competent journeyman director. But he had that niche where he, he survived and was profitable in this area. But I get the feeling, sort of reading the background of, of, uh, Paul's life that he, he wanted better things. And like you say, it eventually burnt him out mm. to the point where he just gave up on the whole. Right, filmmaking life and and re- sort of reading through it, I I don't blame him. I don't blame yeah. him. It's what fun- about you, Andrew? Yeah, y- yeah it, it it appears Paul was sort of dragged into this industry, you know, just because he knew somebody who wanted the, something making, and he was an artist. Mm. Um, so you know, he wasn't necessarily looking for effects work, but uh, the key thing here was the fact that even major motion pictures hundreds went uncredited 
and and these yeah. were the big Hollywood productions. So in the low budget side of it, there was no chance he was ever going to get probably a mention. Um, you know, you look at the Ray Harryhausen films, and only Ray gets the mention for visual effects. But there were yeah. other people helping yeah. him, um, who just were unsung. And uh, you know, Blaise Dell just sadly fell into that category of just not getting a mention. Um, yeah, I think the, the the studio system especially. Well, they basically operated along that way, didn't they? They had one person. I mean, we we mentioned this when we were talking about uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon, that they would yeah. pro- they would promote one name yeah. as this is the special effects guy. This is the special, and yeah, and and everyone else was it was literally a just a job. It was a almost you know yeah a conveyor belt of making this stuff. So yeah, I think you're right to to stand out. Yeah. You either had to be a fairly nasty bit of work to make your way to the top politically or amazingly talented mm. like Ray Harryhausen. I think your, your average person like us just got eaten up by it. Yeah. See, see, I can't recall what was the first movie which actually credited people at the end of the movie because up until a certain point you had this, this handful of key people at the beginning yeah. and then at the end of the movie it just said the end but the um, end. Yeah. you know what, what, what was that first movie that actually started giving the names of the people at the end and showing you know the you know those extra people um, I haven't got a clue what that is well, it's a union thing, isn't it? it the, the reason that started happening was because the unions got involved and, and it reached the point where anybody, absolutely yeah. anybody, anybody in catering, anybody got a mention at the end, didn't they? Right. I mean, it's got to the point now where it's just, it's mad, isn't it? If you sit, like, for a Marvel film, mm. uh, you, you've got <laughs> ten minutes of the tiniest text, like, say, listing everyone. Um, yeah, there's, like, four columns as they go up yeah. the screen as well, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. let, let, let's focus on Paul, Paul Blaisdell. Um, <clears throat> background on him. He was born in 1927 in Rhode Island, um, but grew up in Massachusetts. Um, uh, he was artistic from an early age, um, a bit like, um, you know, I think um, Ian and Andrew here, uh, building model aircraft and turning them into spacecraft and things like that. Um, Kelly, you didn't really have uh, a background on that. You weren't a model maker, were you, when you I, were little? I'm not sure if I've ever built a model in my life. <laughs> so. All right. Well, bye-bye, Kelly. <laughs> All right. Well, he gra- <laughs> oh, no. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, he graduated from Boston's New England School of Art and Design and married his college sweetheart, Jacqueline, or Jackie, and she was to become key wasn't she she was like his co-maker in an awful lot of the effects we're going to talk about yeah. tonight right. yeah oh, i can hear I the can cat hear someone's kitty oh my oh, gosh that's, sorry that's is Maggie. that your cat ian <laughs> yeah she's very she's glad to see me back she's happy she is such a sweetie yeah on on blake seven in character ian's cat does tend to make an appearance now and then <laughs> she's and all that... over my facebook i love yeah. seeing her <laughs> yeah 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 she's, uh, she, she's one of, she's well like most cats if uh if she hears you doing something, she wants to say, stop that. I'm sent with attention. <laughs> I've never heard a purr from her before. This is a first. Yeah, she's been very happy since I got back. She's not let me out yes. of sight. You'll have to edit all, all right. this out, of course. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm keeping this in. I'm keeping Absolutely. this in. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, he married um, Jackie and they moved to, is it called Tabanga Canyon in California? 
Topanga. Topanga, Canyon in California. No? I don't Do you know, know. Heard of Banga. It's just down the road. No, that's not, that's no, not the I same don't. place. All right. Top, top, well, topanga, isn't it? Topang topanga. Topanga, yeah. T O P A N G A. That's the one. Topanga, I think. Yeah. Topanga Canyon yeah. in California. Yeah. And he got a job with Douglas Aircraft, you know, building aircraft. And he was happy enough there. But, you know, just like the, 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 the rest of us here, you know, his uh, heart really lay in uh, fantasy, science fiction and everything outside of uh, the mundane real world. And he began doing illustrations for early 1950s science fiction magazines as well as science fiction paperbacks, which I've never seen. I've never seen a science fiction paperback that's actually credited to Paul Blaisdell. Mm. Uh, have any of you? Not no, that I, I recall. Can't, can't say I have. It might be uncredited mm. again, though. Yeah, well, like Andrew was saying, back in, in, these, day, back in, in these days, you know, if, if you were uh, much of a credit, did you? Mm. No. It's, yeah. al it's also the fact that there's so much stuff from this period, magazines, paperbacks and that that don't exist anymore there's no mm. you know no no, no none of this stuff yeah. was deemed worthy of of being collected or well it was pulp know. wasn't it? Yeah. it it was pulp it was called pulp for a reason this was pulp science fiction <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah um did but, did I, any of you i'm sorry we've got that little delay did any of you pick up the randy palmer book about blaisdell no no, no. is that is that the uh, the magazine that you no, it's not no. a magazine. It's a book. I actually ordered it, and it didn't get here in time. Yeah. For, so, But it's it's called Paul Blaisdell Monster Maker. It's got great ratings. And I was just wondering, because I'm wondering if any of those magazine illustrations made it to that book. I don't know. I don't have it in front of me. So, Well, a lot of research I got from was from a magazine um, over here in the UK called The Dark Side, um, which d had a whole issue devoted to him. It was issue 188. I've got it in front of me right now. There it is. And, uh, yeah, they devoted quite a few pages to him. So I got an awful lot of information from from that. I prefer getting information from hard print rather than anything on, like, Wikipedia or IMDb. Because, of course, anyone can put any old crap up on that, can't they? Yeah. 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 I suppose mm -hmm. an, an interesting thing to ask everyone is how, how many of these films we're discussing today has everyone seen? Because... It, I don't know what I'm presuming these were were readily available and shown quite often in the states, but over here, other than something like it, the Terror from Beyond Space, and the uh, the rotund carrot monster one, whose name I forget. <laughs> you conquered uh, the world. That's yes. it. Yeah, the Lee Van Cleef one. Um, they they're never shown. No. They're, yeah. They're very hard to get a hold of. Yeah. You can't you can't really get them on UK format disc. Um, so it's a case of going to YouTube and seeing if someone's put them up there. But yeah, yeah, so so I've seen a handful of these, but this is probably the first time doing one of these effectively speaking, where where a lot of what we're going to talk about, I only know through the the mythical nineteen seventies uh, like books on you know sci-fi and monster movies. Yeah, yeah, I'm exactly. So, the same. So a lot, I yeah. totally agree there with yeah. Ian because yeah. um, b besides probably just the you know the last one the uh it the terror from beyond space i had no knowledge of him other than what i'd seen in books 
and then I, I think it might have been possibly remember the Michael Medved TV series oh, that, yes. that, oh, that, that Golden yeah, Turkeys yeah. Golden yeah, Turkeys I'm, I'm yeah. sure yeah. that was like my first sort of real introduction yeah. to him as as a person you know when they yeah, mentioned could... his name on there yeah you um, had that you had the uh, the Jonathan Ross one and there was an uh, the Alex Alex Cox uh, Alex Cox's mm. uh, season. And that was about the only place you could see these sort of movies, wasn't it? Yeah. Now, of course, oh, uh, you can. Yeah, you can go and watch Mystery Science. And I was going to say. I mean, that's. Way, yeah. yeah, I've seen. A, I think there's four or five yeah. on Mystery, Mystery Science Theater. I, I've seen them all, of course, because I'm yeah. a big. That's like my introduction to B movies was Mystery Science yeah. Theater, and um, yeah, there's only like twelve, eleven or twelve films that he did special yeah. effects for. So it's not like a huge catalog of film either. That's, yeah, well, a, a lot of these I, I sort of saw. As you say, on Mystery Science, I mean, as I'm sat here, just above my head is a full-size Tom Servo and Crow. I love <laughs> Mystery Science. And yes. um, so Earth versus a Spider, I, that, that's the only one I, way I know it now is, is mm -hmm. with, with the commentary and, you know, mm -hmm. the Earth versus soup bits in between. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's, you, you just can't get hold of these films. No. And in a way, that actually helps them, because if all you ever have in the way of exposure to some of yeah. these films yeah. are black and white stills, sometimes, because the films are so bad, you know, that actually works in its favour, doesn't it? That you know a film from a black and white still rather than watching the bloody thing. Mm. Yeah, I mean, how, how many times have we done that in our lives where you see a still or you see it and it's this film is mythical and when you finally get to see it, 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 it's, yeah, it's it's not very good. Yeah. Um, well, and I, there's a lot of designs of his that even yeah. someone who's not remotely interested in, in film or science fiction would like. If you held up a picture of the saucerman, I mean, yeah. any everyone would say they recognize that creature, mm. even though a lot of people haven't seen that film, mostly because it's total crap. Yeah. <laughs> like those aliens are just awesome. Like I love yeah. them. Yeah, I, I find as well with with his his designs, and this is we we come across this so often, and on Blake Seven especially, where they're brilliant designs, but as soon as they move, mm. they go to crap. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> he he's obviously a good sculptor, but he's he's not. There, there's a reason like um, they they hired engineers and that to do the alien creature and. You know, uh, Giga was just designing the outside of the suit, but this is this sort of explains why they would do that, and these ones didn't have the budget to do that. So yeah, it like we were saying, the mask in it, uh, it the Terror from Beyond Space, looks really good. The suit looks like a pair of underwear that they've <laughs> yeah. just soaked in latex. It's I think, the th and as soon as it moves, it's ooh. I think good. the thing is with a lot of the construction of these, as well as you know, we, you mentioned sculpting, but I think a lot of it was just build-up technique. It was just yeah. form. Yeah. It was like padding. It was uh, textures he'd probably took impressions of with latex, and then they just had to be essentially patched together. There was, I think, yeah. it wasn't they really until it, the Terror from Beyond Space they actually did sculpt something. I think he had the budget then to actually make a mask. Um, but otherwise, everything was kind of built up. Um, That's I remember the she creature took like six weeks, and it sounded like they just shredded foam by hand and glued yeah, it. And yeah. Just, I mean, it sounded totally unappealing and painfully slow. Um, I mean, pretty pretty cool design. Yeah, it doesn't look so great when it's lumbering around. But um, yeah, that it just sounded like a like his. He didn't have the technology that would have best benefited his talents. It it it, it was probably a combination of technology and budget. You know, he's probably given mm -hmm. uh, 
however many dollars just to get materials that he can afford to make with, you know, so, mm-hmm. which is a shame. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, well, let, let, let's start on his career. And <clears throat> the turn that led to Paul getting into films uh, was when Forrest J. Ackerman, who he, he, he became his agent because Paul had been doing, you know, as I say, covers for paperbacks and stuff. And Forrest J. Ackerman had become his agent. And he heard that Roger Corman over at ARC Pictures needed help. Um, and this company, ARC Pictures, uh, it was co- co-founded by James Nicholson and Samuel Zay Arkoff. And usually when they start on a film, a bit like what Hammer did later on, uh, Nicholson would come up with a flashy title, then they would produce uh, some poster art, and then the movies were made in that order. And uh, this was the case with uh, The Beast with a Million Eyes, which was mm. ARC's first venture into uh, science fiction. Years away, I approach your planet. The birds of the air, the animals of the forest, they shall be my ears and my eyes. And because I see your most secret acts, you will know me as the beast with a million eyes. From worlds beyond comes a weird and wanton intelligence, a beast with a million eyes, making of a woman's dog, her attacker, setting up fire flames of wild desire, making of a man's friend, a violator of every code of decency. Guilty of acts you'll never believe. See a man fight against supernatural forces for the girl he loves. See a beast with a million eyes control a ship from outer space. One of the most fantastic terror thrills the screen has ever brought you. See the beast with a million eyes. Um... Trouble was, though, when the film was screened for all the potential exhibitors, uh, they were kind of like stunned to discover that there was no monster. And uh, despite the implications of, you know, the title, The Beast with a Million Eyes, there was no Beast with a Million Eyes. So Corman called uh, Forrest J. Ackman to see, do you know anyone who could do a monster on short notice? He goes to Ray Harryhausen, who was a friend of his, but he was far too expensive. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's when Ackerman asked what kind of budget Corman had in mind. And uh, Corman came up with $400, $200 for labor and $200 for material. And that's when Forrest J. Ackerman actually finally suggested Paul Blaisdell. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd heard that um, he, he'd asked um, him about who to use and he'd mentioned about Harry Horsen but straight away Corman had basically said no that guy's too expensive we can't afford him you know right. I don't think there was even a, a, a price negotiator he knew how much Harry Horsen was charging he probably tried to deal with him in the past so I, yeah, I, I imagine there's also a, a, an element of like you're exactly right there's an element of Harry Horsen's too professional Mm. <laughs> yeah, and I, I don't what? mean I don't mean that in a horrible way, but Roger Corman, <laughs> the way he made films, he didn't want any really anyone that knew better. Yeah, and you if you if you read uh, biographies of him, yeah, he 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 seemed to surround himself with people that 
that wouldn't argue, that wouldn't mm. say, yeah, we we don't want to set that actor on fire, really. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I, I wonder if there's an element of, of you get this a lot with these low-budget producers where they they build up almost a clique of friends and hangers on, I'm thinking like the Ed Wood style of filmmaking. Whereas if they they sort of break into the professional, so like you, I know John Carpenter was never a, a low, low budget filmmaker, but he would surround himself with the best that he could buy. And it shows. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. All right. Well, um, under that time restraint and the budget restraint, all Paul could come up with was this 18 inch uh, puppet, basically which he dubbed Little Hercules. Uh, Paul liked to uh, give nicknames to all his creations, and this one is Little Hercules. And um, it followed the idea that um, this being, this beast with a million eyes, would need some sort of, like, you know, lackey or conduit to control the material universe. So, basically, this puppet was the slave of the beast mm -hmm. and not the beast itself. Yeah. Do you right. Do you think that he had this built already i always i've always thought that they came up and offered him 400 dollars whatever and he he looked around his little room much like we would and went yes <laughs> yeah i've got that because it, it it doesn't the design doesn't really fit anything does it in the film right yeah so yeah I no there's if, no yeah 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 it, it's very Paul Blaisdell, was it? Right? It had already been designed. Yeah. Yes, that had already been done. Yes. yes. Yeah. So I, uh, I, I wonder if he had that, and it was like, oh, I can just pocket this, and he just gave. Yeah. Them. Yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised because, like you said, if if in the past people have come to me regarding stuff, whether it's stuff in the real world yeah. or on the computer, and I've just looked and said, hey, I've got this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what we, about we, this? We all would do it, wouldn't we? I'll yeah. put some more fins on that, or I'll, I'll do yeah. this, and and it's done. You know, so. That's exactly it. I mean, it, it is a very Paul Blaisdell. When you look at his, you know, later creations, you know, it's got this big dome skull, hasn't it? Yeah. You know, and w w with the fang teeth as well. It's it's very um, Paul Blaisdell. Um, and yes, as I say, it's a little puppet, and Paul himself puppeteered it from below, but he couldn't do really much. You know, it's a puppet. He could only like really turn its head from side to side, and when uh, Corman looked at this. He thought that was was a bit naff. So that's when he decided <laughs> to superimpose this spiral pattern yeah. and an eye over the creature to try and like disguise it, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, you know, you're on a loser when Roger Corman thinks you're naff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so that's the that's I, our I think first it's, it's meant to be about twenty foot, isn't it? It's yeah. maybe about 20 foot tall, I think, isn't it? Something. But it's not. It's 18 inches. Yeah. And, and boy, does it look like it. So yeah. That's, that's the same it. size as Tom Cruise, isn't it? Uh. <laughs> that could be Tom Cruise in a remake. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, Get him in for it. Yes, yeah. All right, so that's our first Paul uh, Blaisdell creation. What I thought we might do is, as we go through all of his, um, you know, in, in, in chronological order, is rate them for the effectiveness of this creature. So, out of ten, have any of you got an idea of what you would give this beast with a thousand eyes? 
What when um, you say from one to ten? One to ten. <laughs> give us yes. give us a creature at one and a creature at ten. Give us an idea of your scale. Well, oh, well, yeah. well, ten is the best, most effective creature you know that's uh, you know sold it for you ever. Okay, and so one is Zenomorph, the one where you just like walk that, out yeah. and go, oh my god, this is awful. Right. I'd give the beast with the million eyes a three. Yeah, okay. I, I think that's a fair mark. It, it's it's a nice design, but again, it doesn't. It's not believable at all. It, yeah, uh, it looks yeah. silly, doesn't it? It's yeah. very, very silly. What about you, Andrew? Um, see, I like to, I like to sort of go from the side of being, you know, the, the creative side, as in how much did he get to to do and how much effort. So, you know, if you look at it finally on the screen, yeah, it's probably like worth a two or a three. But you know, he obviously put a bit of effort in. But yeah, I'll go with a three. Um, yeah, I. I think it's better than anything we could do. Yes. <laughs> so, so I don't want people to think we're criticising him, but, but yeah, it's, yeah, it, if it's if it's how much effort he put in, then from from I think all of these are probably tens. You know, if he made it over a weekend, he yeah. if he made it over yes. a weekend, you know, then fair enough, he he didn't do. Did you say it took six weeks? That's uh, the sea creature. That oh, that's the yeah, yeah, sea, yeah, sea creature was six weeks. Well, we've all given it a three, so it gets a three. Okay. Yeah. Three. Yeah. yeah. I think that's fair. Yeah. All right. Gives us a gives us a a, a, a sort of a, a control baseline. level. Yeah. Baseline. Yeah. Yes. So yeah, Paul Blaisdell. He was rather appalled to see that they had put some you know spiral pattern and eyes over the creature. Uh, he was kind of like gutted by all that. But it was only a matter of weeks before uh, Roger Corman called in on him again, asking him to supply another monster for one of his films, and this was the film. The day the world ended. One scientist foresaw the day the world ended. There are two forms of life fighting for survival out here in this valley. And only one of them can win. I'll talk to the girls in the morning. The girls? Yes. They should bear children as soon as possible. Yeah. Uh, which needed the creation of a full-size monster suit. And... Uh, Paul not only cre created it, but he played it too. And again, he gave it a, a, a nickname, and this time it's Marty the Mutant. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, as I say, this was Paul Blaisdell's first monster suit for the movies, and he built it in under a month, which, as Ian was saying right there, you know, uh, you, you know, full props to him. We couldn't do that in under a month, could we? No, uh, I'm not, uh, you probably know, not. No, no. I have. I'm. I was wondering if any of you have made monster suits because that is something I've done. Not a full oh, suit. Uh, no. Yeah, I've made made no. a Cylon. <laughs> a what? A oh, a Cylon. Yeah. Gotcha. What have you made then, Kelly? I'm, I've made a Sasquatch, and I've made part uh, a couple different like creature from the Black Lagoon garments, and like really? hat, a three D hat. Yeah, so. Um, and then, of course, random, you know, Halloween monsters for my kids. But, um, yeah, I'm looking at the the model. Sometimes the models that come out of these monsters are easier for me to see the detail. Yeah. It's because... like giant claw, isn't it? No. Oh, God. yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, the, so, because I haven't actually seen this film, so I'm kind of looking at some No, stills, I've not seen this no, one. Model. I, yeah, it's not not one I've seen, yeah. No, I've not. I've just it seen. Might be amazing. I've seen some Probably clips in like a retrospect, <laughs> and that was it. But this is what this is one of the ones actually, though, where the monster does actually look like the one on the poster. 
Yes. So yeah. I imagine yeah. that the monster was built first, and then the poster artwork was done afterwards. I guess so. Yes. Uh, because yes. It, it's it's similar. You know, it's not it's nothing where you would go. There's no way that's going to be in the movie. Um, you know, it actually right. is very accurate. It's true. So. Yeah. Yeah. And it and, and it, it it's not a bad one. This one's not a bad one at all. Um, and as I say, Paul Blaisdell was actually in the suit. So if you see clips on YouTube or if you've got the film, that is Paul in the suit. And uh, he's looking out through the mouth of this monster, okay. um, wearing sunglasses to hide his eyes, which I love. I, I, I love the, you know, the old, old school way of um, getting around problems mm. of, I can see your eyes, how are you going to get around it? I'll put some sunglasses on, okay? Yeah. Yeah. Now I've got a quote here from uh, Paul, uh, sorry, Bob Burns, who was a lifetime friend of um, uh, Paul Blaisdell, and he wrote a book called "It Came from Bob's Basement" because uh, Bob Burns is a great guy, and he collected an awful lot of uh, props from films and suits and stuff. Um, quite a lengthy quote here, so um, I'll, I'm just going to read this to you, if you'd, you guys don't mind, so you can have a, a slug of drink or, or whatever. Um, right. And um, Bob Burns says about the suit for this, uh, this creature, <laughs> uh, Paul took pieces of foam rubber, rubber and he literally just tore them into little tiny bits. It took him and Jackie probably a week just to tear the stuff. He tore them just like you would tear up bread for a Thanksgiving stuffing, so that no one, no one piece was exactly the same as another. Then he glued them onto the long johns with contact bond cement. He and Jackie glued all those pieces on. It took forever. Okay, so yeah, you've got a pair of long johns with um, yeah, just rubber pieces stuck on them. <clears throat> I just uh, texted my husband to bring me some stuffing too after that. Tour. Okay. <laughs> <All right. laughs> so. Okay. Yeah, we're a day after Thanksgiving, aren't we, right oh, yeah. now? Yes. We're still, yeah, it's the gauntlet. It's the leftovers gauntlet yeah. here. <laughs> now, regarding this the, the, this Marty the Mutant's head, uh, Bob Burns <laughs> said, um, it was built up over an army helmet liner, and the top part of the head, the sort of pointed shape at the top, was actually made out of plaster over a wire framework that he had built up over the helmet. The ears he made out of a form of resin, probably fiberglass, and the teeth he sculpted himself, and I think those were out of clay. The, for, the, the horn things were flexible. It was a kind of early, early vinyl that he used. He sculpted up Marty's face out of this resin-like material. There wasn't much rubber on the head at all. He used to get his supplies from a place called Fryer Plastics. He got everything in Fryer Plastics, they had resin material, they had the fiberglass stuff there, they had the little plastic spheres that he had used for eyeballs and all that stuff. Now, if that's the case, then this company should have got a, a credit, don't you think? Mm, right, phrase. Yeah. Phrase plastics. Yeah, yeah. but then um, EMA should have got a credit on Blake 7, 8. Yeah, and Space 1999 yeah. yeah. and everything, yes, yeah. Yeah, and Paul wore the suit because, uh, of course, at that time... It was before the unions got in, and they didn't care about such things as, you know, the prop maker wore the suit and stuff like that, okay? And he didn't have anyone else in mind to play the mutant, so he made the suit to fit himself, yes. Yeah, it also makes sense that he would 
he would know the weak points, the stress points, how to move right. in it without ripping it. You know, you put it on someone like Crash Corrigan and he's immediately going to flex his arms and rip something, isn't he? So mm. I think that makes sense. I mean, it's also in the great tradition of the gorilla suit owner stroke performer, wasn't yeah. it? Which, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you you would rent out for a couple of weeks and get the person to, you know that's in the suit at the same time. Yeah. Um, can I just hold, uh, put a hand up? I think we've lost Andrew. Oh, we have. Yeah, Andrew's not on my thing anymore. Oh, he's, he didn't notice that. We, oh. we drove Hang him on. off. I'm going to make a note of the time. <laughs> I think we got so boring he quit. <laughs> well, he did Hang say on. he could go and get a drink. He's probably Mate. gone down the pub. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's very Andrew. It's only been like two minutes. My my little. Uh, you know, you can see those notes. It looks like yeah. at twelve forty-two he went off. All right, I'm sending him a message now. Where how's are that gonna, you? How's that going to work as far as the upload download? No, um, well, I don't know. <laughs> this is we'll all new ter- territory for yeah. me. Where did he go? Hang on, I'm just sending him a message. He should just drop in. I mean, all this is um, being recorded. You know. Yeah. Um, Chronological... Well, Maggie can fill in for him if you want. Who? What, the cat? Maggie. Yeah, hold on. Can we have... Oh, oh there is purring. Oh, so sweet. She is happy to have you back, aren't isn't yeah, she? Yeah, she's, she's lovely. She's happy. She's got a lap. Hang on, I'm just sending him a message. Do you think there's um, there's much call for like podcasts which are just animals purring? Do you think... There's probably already a podcast. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're probably right. There's a there, podcast. Yeah. Very... People love their cats. Yeah. I... Well, shall we continue? Well, yeah, it makes sense. We'll continue. You can add him in post. I've just sent him a message on, on Messenger saying, <laughs> where are you? But having said he that... He can record some incredibly yeah. witty, uh, insightful Hello. Comments. Oh, oh yeah. There. I dropped, there he is. Are you there, Yeah, Andrew? I got cut Hello. off. Oh. No, oh, did I you hear I, any I, of that? I just went... When Eric, that's when Eric, good. yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's Eric, all right then. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Eric just hung up on you and oh, had a few no. words about yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Oh, your ears were burning, mate. I'll yeah. tell you. E- Eric wanted to replace you with my cat. That's how evil he is. <laughs> We've just had three minutes of purring. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, it, it said recording stopped. My my computer sort of appeared to freeze. So. Well, we okay. had this um, when you when you first started doing this. Uh, cast software didn't you eric that where it would sort of drop and disappear yeah. and and then come right. back yeah but we you're okay we'll go back through all what i've missed <laughs> <laughs> all right okay. I, th- I, I think eric we just kind of finished talking about the beast with a million eyes but we had or not the beast with a million eyes the um the marty the mutant marty the mutant in day right. the world ended yeah. yes right okay. we hadn't done a rating world yet. ended eric, yes. eric had just finished his little speech he'd right. woken us both up <laughs> afterwards mm-hmm. when i said mm-hmm. go and get a drink i didn't think you were going to take it that literally <laughs> <laughs> right. all right so yeah um are you aware of um you know this creation day the world ended uh, Andrew? No, not really. Uh, so besides seeing it in um, a thing I've seen on YouTube, um, like a retrospect of him, I've never seen seen it moving besides the clips I've seen online. So, No, I've never seen the film. What about you, um, Ian? No, I've never seen it. No, I've only ever seen stills of this. Yeah. And I've always thought it had a very weird nose. That was my... It's too pointy. Yeah. 
<laughs> it's too pointed. What about you, Kelly? Have you seen this? No, no. I had to look it up for this uh, podcast, but I really like it, actually. All right. Well, going by just what we've seen on the internet, what do you guys uh, rate it out of 10 as a design? Uh, uh, I think it's higher than the other one. I think we're up oh, to yeah. about sort of four, four and a half. Yeah, I'm going to go with the five, yeah. um, although I might be slightly biased because I am, again, looking at yeah. the model that someone created yeah. of it. Yeah, it might be better it, think, than the suit. Yeah, but uh, from the stills, too, I, I think it's a great yeah, a great I, design. Yeah, this, this is one where the suit looks better than the head, I think. The body yeah, I, I better can't. Than the head. From, from the stills I've seen, is the suit fur or is it actually kind of like scales or something? It's a bit hard to see. Scales, yeah, it looks yeah. like fabric. Yeah, we were just saying while you were away, Andrew, it, it it was pieced up from rubber, little pieces of rubber stuck onto right. long jobs. Okay, I'd probably give this about four and a half then by the look of the suit and the, the mask itself with the three eyes. and uh, yeah. yeah. All right. Okay, well, <laughs> that uh, that gives us a average of 3.75. Okay. 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 So that's the highest one so far. <laughs> All right. I know. I know where we're headed, and <laughs> this, this is this is a great one. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Well, let's get on to it because Paul's next film, his third film, was It Conquered the World. What's this all about? What's everybody running from? It's the end of everything. What do you mean? I'm not arguing theory, General. I'm here to ask you. To beg you to save your own world. It, the most fascinating mastermind man can conceive. A monster that can control all sources of the Earth's power. Able to pull man-made spaceships from their orbits. Making of those it chooses slaves. Of this woman, a willing handmaiden. Of the chief of police, a cold-blooded killer. I've known you for five years. You just killed a man in cold blood. Why? I'll have to place you under protective custody. Peter Graves, the scientist who fought it. Beverly Garland, who believed her love stronger than it. Lee Van Cleef, whose brilliant mind was captured by it. Are you really ready to stop loving me? I'll need you even when no emotion exists. For a few dollars, you can, you can hire a woman who'll fit all your fetishes. You'll match your requirements perfectly. And if you ever get tired of it, you can always run down to the employment agency for another. You'll know terror to freeze your blood. You'll feel the heart-stopping strength of the most fearful monster ever known. You think you're going to make a slave of the world? I'll see you in hell first. It conquered the world. And this time, I think, you know, Paul really let rip, you know. Um, he was told by um, James Nicholson to produce, and this is in quotes, something that no one had ever seen before. Okay. <laughs> and he certainly yeah. did, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I think this is a great design because without this design, no one would be talking about this film. Mm. Mm. The, the film's not great. I, they, they remade it as well, didn't they, later on, mm -hmm. which was even worse. But this, it's, it's not a great film. I mean, it's got some good actors in it. Um, but the reason it's still talked about now is this creature design. So I think 
Well done, Sam. Um, yeah. I'm. I'm gonna. I think the MST3K has a lot to do with with it yeah. as well. Because they, you know, when they do a film, it'll end up uh, suddenly everyone's interested. You know, it becomes ironically popular. There'll be a reboot. Um, they've but, had a huge influence. Yeah, but de the, definitely. The, they... Yeah, the monster's just um, iconic. And then we yeah. have a few great actors in yeah. the film too. So it's. Um, and this was my first ever Blaisdell monster that I ever yeah. saw was well, I, It Conquered the World. Yeah, I think I, it, the Tale from Beyond Space and this one were the two that I knew well. To the point where, I don't know if you remember, Eric, at the, at the first uh, uh, FMTV convention when I did the, the What Happens Next video quiz, uh, there was a clip of this. There was. And it, yeah, and it was What Happens Next, and it was uh, Lee Van Cleef thrusts a small propane torch into a giant cucumber's eye. Yes. That was the answer, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, must, I love this film. I think I, 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 I'm a sucker for crap films like this, and I love it. I think this is, this is one of my favorites. It, Ian, did you see the Zontar, the, the remake? Yes, the Ten remake. Ten years later? Yeah. That's pretty, that's pretty rough. That's yeah, a pretty that, hard one to watch. That, it's weird that... That you remake. I mean, now we're used to our <laughs> remakes being terrible. It's weird that a remake was made so, so close in time to it, and they got it worse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that takes some doing. Yeah. What? What's, yeah. <laughs> what about you, Andrew? What's your history with uh, it? Well, again, certain magazines, certain books, the creatures. Obviously, you know, as soon as you see it, you, you'll you'll never forget it um, because of just the way it looks. Um, but again, I've never seen the movie, so. Um, just You've clips. never seen it. No, oh, I've never it's, seen it. It's one. It's one to worth to. Yeah, track yeah. it down and. See, I, it's I'm pretty not, cool. I, yeah. I'm going to send you the DVD, see, Andrew. I'll see, I'm not a big fan you. of watching yeah. them on the it, Mystery Science Theatre first. I'd rather see the actual movie, um, because some uh, people only yeah. seem to. On my Instagram account, a lot of people, if I put corny movies, they just mentioned about them being like Rift, and I feel like no, you've got to see the movie first. You know, because yeah. um, yeah. if it, especially because they're yeah, often exa edited exactly, for those and, yeah, exactly, and, and yeah. they can yeah. make a film probably seem, you know, I mean, they, they, their job is to riff movies and make them seem crummy than they probably are, or some are definitely very crummy. Um, but you know, I'd rather sort of see it first for what it was, and then make my own opinions. And yeah, well, this this one was available um, in Poundland about two years ago on their Halloween. They did a a, a whole range of Oh, right, own, okay. Uh, films like Attack of the Crab Monsters, this, a load of Bela Lugosi ones. Um, <coughs> so, yeah, for, so for a while it was, it was everywhere. But it's worth tracking down. It's really going to... It's got my, my favourite shot in it, which always reminds me of Thunderbirds, is when, when he yeah. trundles out yeah. of the cave at the end. And it mm. gets to a close-up of his eyes, and they're going backwards and forwards because yes. they're moving below. Right. And he's looking worried. It's like how a cucumber <laughs> can look worried. Um, and you've got you've got yeah. a great speech at the end. Yes, I mean, just yeah. a, a deeply moving speech. It, it, at the it, end it is a black film. and white movie, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Yes. So, so yes. nobody yeah. would have had any idea that it was bright red. It looks it looks no. it looks more right. like no. a no. well what a, um, rhubarb. It's more like a rhubarb color, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It yeah. it looks like a particularly uncomfortable <laughs> plug, to be honest. Oh my goodness. Yeah, thank you, Ian. I, I, <laughs> yeah. I thought it looked like an aspic, you know, like a gelatin dish. What way is and this conversation going? 
<laughs> it's really big. The the it had to have been his biggest creation so, so far. far. It's yeah. physically large. Absolutely. And I think that they must have yeah, they must have never told him that they were gonna tip it over either. Well no otherwise right. he wouldn't have just had a plywood base with casters on, wouldn't yeah. he? Really? Right. Yeah, we'll, <laughs> we'll talk about that in a minute. But no, my my first um um uh introduction to this was those books in the 70s and out of all the photos from you know you, you know science fiction films this is the one that fascinated mm. me the most it's a promotional photo of the cucumber monster at the window with the girl looking terrified yes. and yeah, it's I like what the heck still, yeah. is this and i loved it before yeah. i even saw yeah. the film yeah. i didn't see the film until about the yeah. 80s or something you know yeah. And again, the poster artwork I'm right. looking at here is is the creature kind of with a circles coming from it, and the girl cowering, sort right. of well, all with a hand in yeah. the air. But the creature again looks like the one from the movie, so they've probably done the poster artwork afterwards. They haven't, you know, sort yeah. of done, so, you know, no, yeah. Because a lot, a lot of those accurate, type of movies, yeah. there was often creatures where you think there's no way that's going to be in this movie, and it wasn't. But um, you know they've actually done a quite a decent representation of it on the poster. Yeah. Well, has any of the actors ever um, said what they thought? It's uh, Peter Graves, isn't it? Who's in it? Uh, Lee Van Cleef. Yeah. yeah, and Lee oh, Van Beverly Van Garland. Garland. And Beverly Garland. Yeah. yeah. You keep Lee calling Cleef, her the girl, yeah. but yeah. I don't know. <clears throat> Maybe they ignore it. But Cause um, I, I wonder because act- actors are notorious for not being able to tell whether a script's mm. any good or yeah. not. Right, um, like, like Harrison Ford with Star Wars, saying they all thought it was going to tank because the script was, when you read it, was awful. And I just wonder if, when they look at, could, is there any difference between an actor looking at this creature and being told it will look great on screen, and an actor looking at uh, the xenomorph and being told it will look great on screen? It, I wonder if yeah. they know at the time. What's the mm. bat creature that was with this? Is a photograph of some bat creature? Oh, so that was how the monster uh, enslaved humans was by, because there wasn't really a way for that huge thing to lumber around in. No, it just hid in in a cave, didn't it? Yes, Yes. yeah. So the bats would fly and attach themselves and. Yeah, so. it would have if they'd have had it trundling about chasing people, it would have looked like <laughs> something like the good is. You know? <laughs> I'd pay to see that. Well, Paul Paul actually designed <laughs> this and built this because you know the script said it came from Venus, and research at that time in the fifties said you know that Venus was a hot, misty place, given more to vegetation than you know. Uh, mammalian life. Mm. So he came up with this thing, the cucumber monster, uh, this triangle-shaped thing. And uh, Paul built it over a wooden framework. It was roughly a teepee shape, okay, which he covered in foam rubber panels sprayed red, as Andrew said, Um, and with all the, like, (laughs) grooves and the inlaid bits uh, shaded in black. (laughs) <laughs> now I never knew that when I I bought one I bought I think it was what make was it Ian do you remember the the company uh, in Japan that did this kit uh, It was not Sakuda was it It, it was wasn't Sakuda The vinyl one Jimmy Yeah the, the vinyl ones. ones I've got the vinyl yeah, right. one He's called Balua yeah. isn't he the the, the actual creature Bueller Bueller almost isn't it it's like yeah But Bueller yeah. or something Yeah Bueller Oh what was the name of that company not Tascuda Oh, I can't remember. Yeah. I'll, I'll put it on Facebook. But I did it in sort of like brown colours because 
back then I didn't know that it was actually bright red. Um, but when he he did build it, he and Paul and his wife Jackie, um, they uh, had a bit of a mistake. It, it, it was too big to go out the doors of their workshop. <laughs> right. They had made okay. it, but it couldn't fit out. Yes. It's a bit like what Martin Bauer did with one of his Space 1999 models for a big city. He built it in a workshop, and then he took it out to put it in the car, and it wouldn't fit through right. the door. So they had to dismantle it and build it up once they got yeah. outside. Um, once they get there, though, um, the humiliation um, continued for the poor creature because its arms were run over um, um, right. once at the studio. And Paul had built into the arms all these springs and leverage things to make the claws work, uh, but they were trashed because the right. um, truck had run over them. So uh, all Paul could do, because Paul was in the creature all he could do really was like lift the arms up and down and boy doesn't that show yeah. in the film yeah now th they're this, flapping around yeah this smacks to me of this is his excuse when he turned up and they went why is it only moving like that go, uh it got run over by a truck <laughs> oh you think that's an this, excuse yeah this doesn't sound plausible <laughs> to me <laughs> when you mention about the the, the black shading is uh, this like whole mentality of uh, i think blaisdell knew that they were just going to light it really flat you know so he kind mm. of would sort of paint shadows onto things because he knew that yeah. you know if he just mm -hmm. painted it red it would just look crap so he, 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 he well should, originally he, it was just going to it was going to stay all its time in the cave yeah. wasn't it that was the original plan so he he shaded it like you say he, he accentuated yeah, all yeah. the uh, the grooves and stuff because it was never meant to come out yeah. of that cave and that's the problem mm. yeah and also i mean you, you say that it was bright red i mean the the actual prop may have been bright red but that's not necessarily the the colour that it should, the creature. Should no, that's been. not what it I mean, registers. A bit, a bit, as. A bit like uh, Karloff's Frankenstein monster, isn't it? Everyone does it green now because the makeup was green, but it was never meant yeah. to be green. No, it, it, you know, it's so it's I, whatever yeah, he works in black and white. That might, yeah, that might be a better yeah, colour for yeah, showing def red versus if, black for if, showing. Yeah, if you contrast, do it another colour yeah. and it's against like earth tones, it may not show up as well. So mm. yeah. And is or maybe you just probably. had a lot of red yeah. paint around. Well, there's that, <laughs> that blue eyes well, yeah. as well, isn't it? Like bright blue eyes. He has it's got, got lovely blue eyes. eyes. Yeah, yeah lovely what a beauty! Eyes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because yeah, as I say, that was the plan. But um, um, Roger Corman decided he wanted it to come out of the cave and have a yeah. proper climax at the end and come out into full daylight and to die or... in full daylight. Yeah. 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 Or, or is that that then he wouldn't have to hire some lights <laughs> oh, yeah. to light yeah. the scene? Could be that as well, yeah, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, because he does. He comes out of these caves, yeah. which are in, like, Bronson Canyon. And, um, yeah, and when killed, he had to fall yeah. over. And, um, you know, Paul, Paul sort of, like, argued about this. Uh, this isn't what the monster's supposed to do, but he was overruled. And um, so they filmed it, and it looks yeah. terrible. I'll tell you what: if you if you actually if yeah. you could charge a dollar for everybody who's used Bronson Canyon, I think you'd be very rich by now. This is very I true. Think every monster, yeah, whoever owns every that, monster, yes. yeah, yeah, every monster movie's had a go, you know, in that canyon, haven't they? Oh yeah, it's not a safe place <laughs> to go, is it really? <laughs> 
No, no, no. Never know what's in there. Yeah, so, yeah, that's how it was filmed. You know, it was sent out to theatres, audiences, you know, they just burst out laughing at the ending, you know, and um, Blaisdell, again, was kind of like, you know, downhearted yeah. by it all um, and thought, you know, everyone's going to take the piss out of me from now on. Um, yeah, and this this creature, the cucumber monster, Balua, okay, um, it lived in Paul's workshop, okay, right up until 1969, okay, when uh, flooding in California brought, brought his roof down and right. crushed it. So, yeah, oh. Balua died in 1969, oh. all right? Oh, right. All right, so Balua. pointless <laughs> death. Yeah, Balua, what do you reckon on Balua out of ten? I think it's it's Beulah. Beulah, um, okay. And I'm going to give it a, a five because I did not find it effective, but I think it was very ambitious and a cool premise. Okay. Anyone else? Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a six because I think it's it, it is iconic. You know, whether it's good or mm. bad, it's iconic. Um, and I think he did put a lot of effort into it. Um, so I, I think it's worth a six. So I, I'm going to go a little bit higher. I'm going to give it a seven because I think it. He might not have been proud of it, but it's a it's a it's a lovely design. I really like it. And again, it's it's a design that stood the test of time, possibly for yeah. the wrong reasons. But <laughs> yeah, I I love it. It's, it's one of my favourite nineteen fifties terrible B movie. Yeah, creatures. would he ever yeah. have thought that there would have been model kits and toys of it? Yeah. No. Because no, um, yeah. when did he, he pass away? In eighty eighty three. Hang on. I think it was. Early. He died in. Sorry, Andrew. What do you do that for? Nineteen eighty three. Yes. Yeah. Well, he wasn't run over by a truck. Was he? His arms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Broke his arms and he died. Um, I'm agreeing with Ian. I'm I'm giving it a seven, right. same as Ian. So. Uh, that's a 6.25. So he's the highest so far. Yeah, yeah, All right. Yeah. We're going up. All right. N yeah. Next up was the she creature. Scene comes the experiences of a she creature. by Chester Morris, Marla English, Kathy Downs, Lance Fuller, Tom Conway, Frida Innescourt, and Ron Randall. It's an adventure into the occult, such as few people have known, and only those who see it can believe. You're not going for that supernatural hokum of his. I don't really know what I'm going for. I know he's a killer. Now you are traveling back through time and space. Farther, farther back. Back. Under his spell, she was both herself and another being, the she-creature seeking life sustenance from the stolen heartbeats of others. Now, have yeah. any of you actually seen the she-creature? Uh, yeah, I yes. have. Yeah, yeah, it's one I've seen. Okay. Good, 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 good. It was on Sky not so long ago. On All right. One of the, okay. was it Turner movies, something like that? It was okay. on? Well, it was from this point onwards that... Um, Paul decided um, I'm going to stick more to human-shaped yeah. creatures, you know. 
And this time, the nickname was Cuddles, okay? <laughs> the she, mm. she creature was called Nut Cruddles. Uh, cr- cuddles, sorry. Cruddles. Cr- cruddles. <laughs> Freudian slip <laughs> right there. And, uh, and was bright green, was painted bright green. Although, if you look at the poster artwork, it's actually um, more a red, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh-huh, right. Was, was this... Did he did he know that the film was the she creature before he made this? Because it's not very feminine, is it? Well, um, it has a couple exceptions. There are a couple of exceptions. <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah. In the script, it does say, you know, that this woman was going to be regressed to this like primeval uh, life form, and the director um, called Edward L. Kahn, he wanted the creature to be clearly female, which is why there's a couple of exceptions there. Yeah. Right, which is so we had this talk about Medusa. Yeah, right? we did. It's like, is this a reptile? Because you know they don't they don't need breasts. Yeah. They don't lactate. So yeah, <laughs> yeah those those uh those uh, she creature. Boots I, I like I like that according to the poster, it can and did happen, and it's based on authentic facts that you've been reading about. <laughs> so. This is what I love about this time of filmmaking. You can have all these outlandish claims, you know, with no backup whatsoever. Yeah. Well, you you, you still can, can't you? It's like yeah. Blair Witching out people. Yeah. It's, you can't do it that often for it to work, but yeah, it, uh, it still make those weird claims. People can be suckered in, can't they? Yes. Yeah. But he used the yeah. same method as for Marty. You know, in the day of the worth world yep, ended, yep. and he built the suit up from a pair of long johns, and using the same thing of making uh, foam rubber um, in segments. And this time, he was trying to suggest a cru- crustacean. Yep. Um, the <laughs> antennae on the head were actually candles. Um, he made a, a, a mold out of them with latex, removed the candle, and to leave a hollow tube. Okay, yeah. Um, now, Bob Burns. Bob Burns is back on the scene. I've got a quote from Bob Burns. Um, he says, The hands with the big hooks coming out were all carved out of white pine and they were built over welder's gloves. You can see a thumb mm-hmm. in the sculpture. He covered it with rubber, but there's still a thumb. Okay. Um, he did a sort of jigsaw puzzle design out of foam rubber and glued them onto a pair of long johns. Jackie was very instrumental in the work on these things too. They were a team. They were a complete, absolute team. She was very clever in her own right. They would lay out the foam rubber on the floor, draw this sort of jigsaw puzzle design, and then they would cut it out and fit it all together on the suit. When you consider how many people it took to make the Gill Man in Creature from the Black Lagoon, and here Paul and Jackie did all this themselves, I think it took between four and six weeks them to complete this was the longest he ever got to work on a creature that was the sea creature uh, sorry she yeah. creature what's weird mm. about it has those kind of yeah. like spikes on its knees doesn't it <laughs> it's yes. like yeah yeah i and mean on, elbows, on the elbows yeah. it seems to yeah. work but on the knees it seems really odd <laughs> it's like it can't kneel down without sort of spiking itself into things yeah he also put apparently rhinestones in the eyes uh, so that they would um, glisten more, okay, mm-hmm. right. and um, and and the teeth were novelty vampire teeth. Okay, okay, yes. He took two pairs and put them together. Okay, 
Um, and the feet were made over a pair of, you know, regular, um, um, you know, uh, skin divers uh, fins. Yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah. none of these creatures we've talked about so far have got any kind of mechanism to make a mouth open or close, have they? They're just permanently no. a fixed expression. Right. Um, and the teeth are nearly always showing. Yeah, I think... Um, yeah, this is it's what I said earlier, that he... There's no yeah, yeah, it, it is just a, a like stuff. Halloween mask yeah. in in a way. Um, yeah, that, right. you know, it's a case of well, you've got to have the teeth showing because we haven't got the budget to actually make a mouth that can open. So, it... also, how is it going to chew with those? Yeah, mm. <laughs> yeah, so practical. Yeah, you know, uh, this uh, this creature from the neck up looks different than from the neck down to me yeah um i i absolutely love this one might be my favorite besides the saucerman mm. as far as the face because there's just so many great textures and it has those big long ears and it has like a neck frill and all of that whereas i find the body yeah. kind of silly yeah. looking well i i wonder if like bob burns was saying um whether paul built the heads and jackie built the mm. bodies oh whether it was less working together than I'm, yeah, I'm sculpting this head, yeah, you know, yeah. you knock up the body, uh, and that would explain a lot of these creatures. Because you, you're right, Kelly, that the the heads very seldom sort of match the yeah the bodies. Yeah, maybe that was filmmaking back then. That you know, most of the uh, monster shots were um, close-ups. You know. So the body really didn't really count that much. Yeah, I mean, even right, on movies right. like This Island Earth, it's like the Metaluna mutant. It's great from the waist up and crap from the waist yeah. down, isn't it? He's, right. he's got lovely yeah. chinos yeah. on, hasn't he? Isn't <laughs> <laughs> <They're gorgeous. laughs> it's flat front khakis, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, this thing, the, the, the she-creature, um, went on to feature in uh, Paul's next film, which is Voodoo yes. Women woman sorry mm -hmm. which we'll talk about in a minute um also a head on the wall in how to make a monster and as the monster in the ghost of drag yeah. street drag street hollow but for now um the she creature what do you give it i really like the she creature i'm, I'm giving it a seven uh, i'll give it a six and a half I'll give it a six, I think, because it, it it does look good. It's you're right. It's got weird yeah. knees <laughs> and a tail. Uh, yeah, if it ever falls over, it's it's just doomed itself. I think, really. <laughs> Stuck like, in <laughs> Yeah, but yeah. The, the mask yeah. is really nice. What did yeah. you give it, Ian? Uh, a six. Okay, I was busy tapping on my calculator. Okay, divided by four equals six point one two five. Okay, that's our average for that, okay. the she-creature, okay? What did you give right. it, Eric? I didn't hear what you give it. Oh, sorry, I didn't give it. Um, a five. All oh, right, okay. Sorry. Okay. I think I got that right. Why, why don't you like it, Eric? Is it because it's a female? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not getting into that. No, no, no. Yeah, after the last one we saw, you know, in co it conquered the world. Um, yeah, it's a downward uh, trend for me. I, I, I really like the last one. Mm, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Who would win out of a fight between them? <laughs> 
Well, you, you only have to I push. I can't really remember what kind of powers the she creature. All she has to do is yeah. push it. Yeah. It conquered the world over, and she's won, hasn't she? Well, except he's got those bats, oh, so that's the bat true. gets on yeah. the she creature. Yeah. Okay. Also, uh, we're assuming they'll fight. They might get on. They might. They might yeah. like mm. each other. Yeah. Think of their kids. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on. Voodoo woman. Okay. Join this safari into a green hell of horror in search of a secret fortune in diamonds and gold. I want that money so bad that every time I close my eyes, I can see it. Marla English, a woman possessed by a passion for wealth. Tom Conway, a man maddened by his lust for power. Touch Connors, a white hunter entrapped by an adventuress's black heart. Lance Fuller, Victimized by desire. Mary Ellen Kay, a blonde captive in the darkness of Voodoo Land. Not man, not beast, but a combination of the best of each. Voodoo Woman, an experience in terror that'll tear your nerves to shreds. Secrets torn from the earth as old as the earth, combining voodoo witchery with the most advanced of medical sciences to create before your very eyes Voodoo Woman. Voodoo Woman. Um, the original intention was not to use Paul Blaisdell. Um, he basically took the she-creature because he owned it, um, stripped it down, and had a makeup man by the name of Harry Thomas make a new head, uh, which apparently right. um, he, he did just by going to the shops to buy a skeleton mask and put a white wig on the top. Yeah. Um, and there are photos <laughs> yeah. when you look at it. It is clearly, yes, it's a skeleton mask with a white wig on top. Um and taking one look at it, you know, old Edward there, he knew he was in trouble, so he called Paul in to sort things out. Um, and again, Paul, no money, no time. He did what he could. He used liquid rubber to, you, you know, build the face of the mask up and give it a bit more definition mm. and stuck in some eyes and fangs and to try and make it more menacing. But it's still pretty horrible. Yeah. What do you guys uh, think? Well, I've never seen the movie, but uh, I've no, only seen the I. handful of stills, and it does look a bit, bit naff. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't look good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I too haven't seen the film, um, but in looking at pictures of the monster, it seems like a huge step yeah. back for yeah. So. Yeah. This this does strike me exactly what you you've said that this is a what have I got in yeah. the room? Mm. Stick a wig on it. Trust yeah. to luck. Yeah. Um, I've never seen the film. I've really, not really heard no. of it before. And just looking at the stills, the still. This is the sort of still. So I'm looking at a still where the voodoo woman with a lovely blonde hair is menacing a young lady from behind. And it's the sort of still that, as a kid, you'd be, I want to see this film. Yeah. I want to see it. But you know, it's going to be yeah. awful. It's hey, it's got a good poster. Yeah. The poster's <laughs> cool. That that sums up a lot of films at this time. But, you know, to add insult to injury, not only did Paul have to do this, he had to wear the suit 
as well mm. um, because it was only of course made to fit him yeah. you know the she creature was made to fit him so he had well, to wear well, one it of the, one, one and... of the pictures I've got here of the creature it appears to be almost like wearing like a hessian sort of sackcloth kind of yeah I, I suppose like yeah. what would you call it like an apron okay yeah yeah down down the front yeah it's, it's kind of that might have been to disguise the fact that it had been used in another yeah. film. It didn't, you know, it covered and up the, the and, and the, oh, the, yeah, the blonde wig kind of sort of parts in the middle, sort of like it's very sort of, yeah. I suppose, um, Marilyn Monroe sort of. I don't know. It's it's weird. It's just. <laughs> Yes. Okay. Yeah. Well, not only it looks like something that should be in Lost in Space. Yeah, very Lost in Space. Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> But uh, to make it worse, not only did Paul have to wear the suit, but there's a, uh, a, a scene which was meant to show how impervious the uh, creature was to pain and had acid poured on its leg. And someone cocked up, basically, and they used real hydrochloric acid as it gave off oh. an authentic smoke. And that went straight through the mm. rubber and burnt Paul's leg. And left a scar which he had until uh, until he died, basically. Right. Wow. Ah. Mm. So, voodoo woman creature, what do you give oh. it? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> that that's going to be another three from me. It's um, I did like the I think the skeleton or the skull looks pretty creepy. So we get yeah, I think I've seen that. a clip where. The skull mouth does actually move at least. I think it does open and close a little bit, so it has a little bit of mechanism on that one. But it, yeah, it's probably a three from me. Yeah. Okay. That's it. I'd, I'd give it two for effort, but it's rubbish. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, that gives it an average of 2.5. Oh, very low. <clears throat> okay. Right. <laughs> Paul turned down. A film I've never seen. I don't know if you guys have seen it, but a film called Attack of the Crab Monsters. No. I have yeah. seen it. I absolutely oh, love it. Oh, do you? It. Yeah, it's, it's an excellent a, film. It's a good yeah. film, yeah. Have you? Yeah. yeah. Andrew, no, no, not have seen you seen that, it? No. Eric, that would be a great one for your for the podcast. Oh, really? As far as, yeah. yeah, it's it's basically a papier-mâché <laughs> crab and a papier-mâché claw. <laughs> but um, it's just a fun film. It's it's super fun. Yeah, it's it's obviously filmed... Over like a weekend, <laughs> and there's no sets as such, okay. you know. But uh, it it's actually it it clips along at a fair rate, and it's so weird the script that it's interesting. I'm not, I'm not a great fan of Roger Corman. I, like I say I don't think he's a particularly good director. Um, I do like his uh, uh, Edgar Allan Poe stuff, but this yeah this is this is one of the few monster ones that's. I th- yeah, it's worth watching. It's worth tracking down. If you if you watch the giant claw for this podcast, you can watch it. Fair enough. Crab. Okay. All right. I'll, I'll track it down. All right. Okay. The crabs are the size. One of the thing we've never not one thing we haven't mentioned here, and I, I don't know if anybody knows, is um, how old was Coleman when he was directing these movies? Was he like in his twenties or thirties or? I think it's thirties. Right. That's okay. Yeah. yeah. He's perpetually middle aged yes. in every interview yeah. when he was ten. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, the next film Paul was involved in is uh, Not of This Earth. Killer is a fiend of the most diabolical kind. Thirteen. Maybe more. He's looking for only one thing. 
blood. Human victims for human blood. Experiment in horror to satisfy a desperate need never before known. A need that was not of this earth. Which includes these uh, strange flying um, umbrella creatures. Yeah. Have any of you seen no. this film? No. 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 And I think it has been remade as well, hasn't it? This is another one, I think. Isn't this uh, a Tracy Lord film? Yeah. Tracy Lord's in. Yeah, it's yeah. a Tracy Lord film yeah. from the 80s. Yeah. 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 Ironically, we've all seen the Tracy Lord <laughs> No, I haven't seen that either. <laughs> right, move on. Yeah, he's got these flying umbrella creatures. And there's an alien at the end, okay? And um, this is what I love about 50s um, low-budget filmmaking. The uh, umbrella creatures were indeed made from real umbrellas. Right. Okay. You surprised me? Yeah, it's an umbrella attached to a fish pole, okay? (laughs) And you could actually see them, if you want to be um, an apologist for this film, as early facehuggers, because these creatures come out and they enclose your head completely. They remind me of a vampire squid, their their sort of, like, structure with the webbing Mm. in between the arms. I actually really like the creatures. Okay. I can't quite work out what it is on top. It's it's almost like there's a little creature sat on the top of this thing, isn't there? Yeah. yeah. It's like yeah, it's it's that's like the, a skin yeah. squirrel. <laughs> that's the part that yeah, that's the part that looks a little bit like a face hugger is because it's got all these weird little nodules sticking off of it, and it kind of looks like a crustacean on yeah. top of a vampire squid. I wonder whether any um, concept yeah. artwork was done, or whether he just built, you know, just just, just <laughs> right. started building. <laughs> Yeah, this is a weird film because not only did Paul have to come up with the umbrella creatures, um, but uh, on a Friday, okay, Paul Blazer was contacted on a Friday and he he was told he had the weekend to come up with something for the alien at the end, okay, and it had to be ready for being filmed on the Monday. (laughs) So he's told this on the Friday, Mm. he has to get it ready for filming on the Monday, and he created something... Uh, some sort of a cat head and paws which he put onto a pair of pyjamas okay uh, for the <laughs> insert shots do you know anything about this? No. no no, I can't see any photos of some sort of like cat creature at the end but apparently it's Paul Blaisdell in a pair of pyjamas with some sort of like a cat head and paws right hmm hmm <laughs> the picture I've got it's here, Blaisdell's actually with Bob Burns, but Bob Burns is sort of dressed in a, like a white helmet with like a visor and a sp- like a what yeah. looks like a space suit. So I haven't got a clue whether that's maybe the cat creature underneath that helmet or I don't know. I've not seen it. I don't think so because it was Blaisdell that was wearing the yeah. It was it wasn't right. Burns wearing the cat. Yeah. It says that the cat footage is in the film. Um, out of focus, but edited into the oh. film anyway. So okay. All right. That bears further investigation. But on what you've seen of these umbrella creatures, what do you give it? Uh, without seeing them moving, it's hard to tell. But, I, I mean, you know, they do look quite good in the stills. I'd probably maybe just give it like a five and a half. Okay. Anyone else? 
I guess I'd give them a four. Like I, I think they're pretty cute idea, but kind of like Andrew said, it. I'm not sure that they were a concept so much as just crammed together. Um, but you can see some of the action in like gifs online, and they do move right. in a pretty okay. cool way. So I'm gonna okay. go four. Yeah, I think it looks uh, it looks alright. It look, because it's it's a creature. It's not a, a sort of person in the suit. I think it looks alright. Yeah, I'd give it a a five. I reckon. Okay. Although I, 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 I would have the right to, if I ever do see it, and it moves like an umbrella, <laughs> flapped, opened and closed, to, to rate that down a bit. All right. Okay. Well, I give it a four. Okay. Andrew gave it a 5.5. Sorry, I'm tapping on my uh, calculator now. Uh, Ian gives it a five. Divided by four equals 4.625. Right. Okay. All right. All right. Not many going above five at the moment. Okay. Right, next one. <laughs> and I don't know how high we're going to go on this one. Uh, 1957's From Hell It Came. Right. Now, this one, it's it's most remembered for one of the most ludicrous creatures of all the 50s. Um, have you guys seen it? Creature of unholy vengeance, born in the heart of a man unjustly condemned to death. Death, I shall be stronger than you in life. I will come back from hell and make you pay for your crimes. A tree monster. Oh, now, Norgu, I know about cannibalistic flowers, but this tree monster is utterly unbelievable. Dr. Mason, you are a wise lady. But there are many things even the wisest of us do not know. Land of superstition, terror, and violent hatred. <laughs> Where beneath the surface of the Polynesian Islands, the Earth gives grotesque and terrible birth to a monstrous creature, sworn to kill and torture and destroy. I beg you, pull up the roots so it will die before it murders everyone. You know what? I have an eerie feeling that this thing knows what we're saying. That pulse is almost human. Don't be stingy at a time like this, dear. Relentlessly, the Baranga pursues its prey. <laughs> Impervious to destruction by mortal hands, ravaging the world in its madness. <laughs> We've got to find her. Let's go back. Come on. Those bullets bounce off like BB shot on a stone wall. Yeah. Uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, this this is one that I actually did see on the uh, Golden Turkey. Because this, mm. this was one of the ones they showed in that little season, the Medved right. Brothers. Um, but again, and almost in a sort of a weird ahead of their time when they showed them they would do uh commentary texts a bit like you get yeah. on dvds and blu-rays uh, on the films um which usually were very funny um but yeah i remember this one because they really took them yeah. in it looks kind of like yeah. uh, one of the trees from the wizard of oz doesn't it a little bit you know like like that and um <laughs> tree bee that had some kind of child or yeah. after a forest fire, maybe. <laughs> it looks like a Marty Croft. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's very HR Puffin stuff. 
definitely. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But it wasn't Paul Blaisdale. Okay. Um, he prepared a, a number of color sketches, um, but the actual construction of the monster was done at the Don Post Studios. You know, who came uh, went on to become very famous mm. uh, mask makers, right. didn't they? Yeah. Um, but there was no participation from um, Paul Blaisdell uh, at all. Okay. Right. Um, again, we got Bob Burns here. Bob Burns says. Uh, Fabrication for that was done by Don Post Studios, but it was clearly Paul's design. Paul never got paid and never got his sketches back either. He didn't even know until the film was done that any of his stuff was going to be copied, which it definitely was. The first design he did was pretty neat. It was more like a real tree, only even the arms would have had though, like those of a marionette. Those, they would have been like tree branches and nobody on earth would have arms that thin. He abandoned that right away because it had to have arms. But if you look at the sketches and you look at what they did, it was obvious um, he had a lot of bad experiences that, to, that way too, being ripped off. So this really isn't a Paul Blaisdell Cre yeah. uh, creation. Mm. He came up with the sketches, although the actual you know, fabrication wasn't down to <laughs> yeah. him. Mm. Yeah, he's starting to sound either either quite naive or a bit of a. That's mum. coming up with Bob Burns. Yeah. He was very mm. naive and he was very trusting, Paul Blaisdell. What well, one thing that I don't know if you mentioned in the time that I got cut off, but um, all of these creatures have got one common factor as well, which I don't know if you've heard about. It's like the 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 the. the, all the, crap. the <laughs> <laughs> it, it's the Blaisdell scowl, where every single creature has got this permanent scowl, the brows mm. kind of go down, you know. Together, and he, yes. Yeah, so They're he makes every creature looking, look like yes. mean. And, you know, even this tree creature's kind yeah. of got that furrowed brow of just, you know, and they all do. It's, it's I think, you know, it's just a way to make the monster look mean because, he could, again, he couldn't mechanize the faces, so he, yeah. he can't... It, I just... Uh, found a picture of the the concept art that um eric was just reading and it's pretty cool so you can see kind of paul blaisdell's style of um of illustration right it's very pretty, yeah. Actually. Have a look. so you know. yeah yeah but they yeah, all yeah, have yeah. the blaisdell scowl they do especially the <laughs> final version what do you think of the final version what do you think of uh, um um a, as a creature Again, without seeing it moving, uh, which I've not seen it moving, um, it it moves like you right. Okay, move. <laughs> like I wish it lumbers. Very wood. Yeah, it's very right. lumbers. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I, right. I was Good not pun. meaning to make a pun. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's very very wooden. It's no <laughs> group. Yeah, very really. good. All right. Uh, yeah, it's it's bad. Yeah. Anyone? Uh, Give a vote. Ooh, oh. I'm going to have to give this probably like a three because I'm not really overly enamoured with it. Yeah, yeah, if I'm going to go three, it's more like a, a carving or a sculpture than a monster because I have seen it move and it's yeah. not too um, convincing. Yeah, I'll, I'll go three as well. Um, it's it, it's too cartoony. It, it, like I say, it looks like something out of HR Puffin. It looks, it, it it looks does, like some Power it? Rangers would have as a monster yeah. as well. You know, they are weird. Mm. Yeah, things like that. So. All right. Okay. That gives it an average of three point two five because I gave it a four. 
because I don't mind right. it. I think it's quite fun. I think it's quite a fun uh, design. Mm. Yeah. All right. Well, next one: Invasion of the Saucermen. Hello, police tape orders. This is Carter, Johnny Carter. Oh, sure, they're from another planet. What a dilemma for young lovers Steve Terrell and Gloria Castile. You thought I was kidding. Nobody will believe the invasion of the saucer men. All this makes it seem natural for a beer-drinking bull to appoint himself chaperone of Lover's Lane. Hey, for Pete's sake! And a farmer with the longest shotgun you've ever seen plays the villain. What's so funny? Well, I expected to be frightened on my wedding night, but nothing like this. It's our busy night, too. We've been flooded with calls from people who say they've seen flying saucers and little green monsters. Wonder how that rumor ever got started. It's too fantastic to believe. Just think of it. Only this special unit and the President of the United States will know what happened here tonight. You mean you think we know what's happened? Which I'm guessing is a film that's mainly remembered solely for Paul's work. If if this had been a alien design not as distinctive. I don't think it would be remembered as much no, these days, no. don't you think? No. Yeah. So, I of think course, I saw the remake, The Attack of the Eye Creatures. Oh, okay. Was, um, yeah. That's got uh, a weird which, suit in it, though, isn't it? That's, yeah, yeah, and some of the monsters don't even have full suits on. No. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I've heard there's a good print of this saucerman out there somewhere, um, some bootleg print. But unfortunately, every t- I've seen this film, and it's mm. always so mm. grainy. And yeah. I would love, love to get a hold of a good print of it. Because I love these monsters, they're probably my favorite of all the ones we're talking. I know about. that. Yeah. I know that originally there's a, a, a picture in the Cine Fantastic where they, they had much smaller eyes. You know, the eyes were sort of inset yes. into the skull, sort of thing. But then they went for mm. the much more bulging eyes, didn't they, with the veins? And uh, but what I like about the design is it it. it it has elements almost of the Cantina aliens, some of the stuff you've seen in Star Trek in the nineteen sixties. Um, it's mm. just got like little yeah. sort of elements, not as good as any of those, but it has that kind of classic feel to what you expect the B movie monster to look like, almost like the definitive B movie monster, in in some respects. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, a lot of uh, people um, had either conscious or unconscious um, mm. influence from mm, it, this design. I think. Oh, very much so. And I think the. The cat eyes are part of what makes it so creepy, mm. you know, which was a, you know, he used those a lot in his monsters, you know, about, about 60% of the monsters yeah. we're talking yeah. about today. Yeah, because the she, the she but, um, creature's got yeah, cat eyes, doesn't it, sort of, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and so does the, the, the Beast of a Million Eyes, and, you know, a bunch of them do, so. Yeah. yeah. This is a rare film from um, that time in the 50s in that it's a science fiction comedy or supposedly a right. comedy. Yeah. Um, although not much of it is funny, you know. Um, <laughs> and it's quite, um, you know, sparse in its production. Uh, it's got no real stars apart from, you know, Frank Gorshin before Frank Gorshin became Frank Gorshin. Um, but it does have Paul Blaisdell's, you know, these. Um, cabbage head aliens and and the flying saucer as well he he also created mm-hmm. the flying saucer in the film um 
And I think this is his film that he's most uh, famous for. Um, and again, Bob Burns was working with Paul Blaisdell during this period. And uh, he's got a, th- a few things to say about it. Um, and he said he did a sculpt for the uh, for the alien's head. He, he, he didn't work molds on them. He made a big brain pattern out of plaster over wire. And for the face itself, he made up a plaster f- form he made um, from an inverted <coughs> pyramid thing that became the base of the head from the top of the face where the eyes are. Okay. Um, there were five heads altogether, four costume heads and one hero head for the close-up, um, which was like a puppet head. It was opened in the back so he could make the eyes move. They were just styrofoam balls that he got over at good old fire, fry plastics. He put holes in the back of them so he could put his fingers in them to make the eyes move around. Right. We never really got a chance to do that in the film. The fact that he made each one in that very special way, rather than creating a universal mould so he could just stamp them out, is why they are all so different. Each one had its own personality because they were all separately built. Right, right. okay. Yeah. Um, he also says that the veins were really cool. He took a piece of glass and he got a cake decorator and he thickened the rubber. I think he may have used talcum powder. At least it looked like talcum powder to me. And he had squirt those out onto the glass, let them dry, then peeled them off. They were flat on the bottom, mm. so it was really easy to glue them onto the masks. If you look at the saucer men's stills, you see that they're all different. So that was, that's all he was doing. He was just squirting this stuff out mm. onto glass to make the veins. Right. This, and that's kind of what I was thinking about with in terms of technology, because if you know if you had to make that today, you could use yes, a glue yeah. gun. Right? That's what I um, do. Because I've made, yeah, I've made floating candles that are have wax drips on them, and you can use glue gun. It's, I mean, you, you burn yourself to hell the whole time. But I mean, so you know, that's something that he had to go through a lot of effort to do. With today, you could do it cheaply and Another, easily. You know, so. I was going to say, another thing that a lot of these creatures have got, which I've noticed as well, they always have kind of similar ears, kind of almost like kind of bat-type little... Kind Spock ears. Of, yeah. yeah, like Spock ears, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, even the uh, the Terror from Beyond Space we're going to be talking about has, has got them, and the, the the she-creature again had them. So they're like a standard... So, you know, he's very yeah, he's sticking so to like a lot of the same design elements quite often as well. I really like yeah, the double yeah. mouth, um, the double mouths that these have, which in the close up they don't look great, um, but the concept. Yeah, of one them of the, one is of the toys creepy, actually um, really cool. enhances. Uh, I've seen some uh, figures, and it really sort of mm-hmm. shows off the double mouth, which I don't think it actually does even on the masks. But you know, when you see the toy, you go, "Oh yeah, it's got two mouths." Um, yeah. 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 That was odd. Are you there still, Ian? Yeah. This this, this scene. Uh, Yes, yeah, no, I, I was uh, listening in too. Okay. Um, yeah, the the scene where they attack and kill yeah. the cows, that yeah. that scared me. I mean, that was a scary scene. I feel like uh, if you were a small child watching that, that would that would have been pretty mm. terrifying. Well, it's, it's, it's interesting. Actually, funny enough, you, I'd forgotten the cow bit because um, I, I think that Paul Blaisdell invented the grey alien. Yeah. And the, the reason behind mm-hmm. this is so so the gray the gray aliens first appeared in the uh, the Betty and Barney Hill uh, 
quotation marks abduction yeah. quotation marks um and it's it's been shown pretty definitively where most of the their idea for the aliens came from the two outer limits episodes but one thing that's sort of never been nailed down is is the size of them because obviously in the outer limits it, they were full size people and i wonder this is this is what 3 years before mm. that that case and i wonder if they'd seen this as well and then that also, when you just said about the cattle, it's like, did he also invent the cattle mutilation yeah. Mm. Right. Yeah. phenomenon? Yeah, probably. Um, so, yeah, so he could he could be a very influential man. So you're, you're saying that there aren't actual cattle mutilations by aliens? <laughs> no, that... no, there isn't. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. um, definitively, there's no aliens visiting the planet. There's no cattle right. mutilations. The... Betty and Barney Hill were full of shite. Um, yeah, you know, I... You may get complaints, but no. I used to believe, I used to, when I was younger, I believed in all the UFO bollocks. Um, I was into all of it. And then as you start to unravel it, you realize there's nothing behind any of this. And there's, there's lots of evidence to show how this evolved, uh, throughout. You, you just look at the timeline. But, but this, because, um, Close Encounters, Steven Spielberg said he, he based his, his view of the grey alien on the Betty and Barney mm. Hill case. Um, so I, but, and everyone sort of attributes that the, the, the massive grey alien sightings and abductions didn't happen until Close Encounters. So I think if we trace it backwards, yeah, I think Uncle Paul, yeah. he's, yeah. The, he's the guy. He's no there, one yeah. sees red cucumber yeah. creatures. Uh, that's true, very true. No, so perhaps my theory doesn't on work. Yeah. One yet. of the, uh, yeah. the photos I've got here, he actually, there's, um, he's holding like a, I suppose I don't know whether it's a weapon or it says it's a prop but it looks almost kind of like a carved wooden kind of looks like uh, like a battleth type thing from Star Trek almost he's holding um, right. I, I don't know whether that was just some kind of I don't know whether it's maybe like a, a space dagger or what but it's quite big but it just says they weren't used um, but they've got those weird eyeballs on the backs of the hands haven't they as well yes yeah because the hand yeah, walks yeah, around yeah. and it can see. We'll we'll um, get onto that in a yeah. minute. But what Andrew was saying there earlier about you know uh, the size of the heads, that was all down to the producers. When they saw the uh, the early rushes, they said that the aliens themselves were too big. They didn't like the fact that they were you know man sized. So um, Paul had to have the job of um, reducing them down. And what he did, he actually cut a pie shaped wedge out of the heads, okay, mm. um, to make them smaller uh. and push them back together, okay, uh, because that's all he could do. There was no time to do anything else. And you can see stills, and I'll put them on the Facebook page. You can see the original version and then this, uh, you know, shortened down version where the mask has actually been pulled round. Yeah. And because they've pulled round the mask at the back of the head, the eyes themselves separate out and are wider than they should yeah. be. And yet on the and yet on the poster, the heads That's are massive, so cool. aren't they? Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. Well, it sounds it sounds like that it sounds like that wedge that wedge shape deformed the face. Yeah. Mm. I mean, it made it a totally different. That's pretty cool. Like that that's that sort of serendipity. Yeah. Uh, now yeah. that hand thing with the eyeball on it, um, um, that was a, a a gardener's glove. Okay. Um, and, um, you know, the fingertips were made out of cardboard, okay, with latex on top, okay, and then he's got, like, one of these other, you know, eyeballs from the, uh, department store on top, okay? Right. Um, 
Now, the eyeball in the puppet hand, the, the close-up hero hand, it could actually move. Um, Paul Blaisdell moved it with a, uh, you, you know, like a wooden stalk from underneath, but they didn't really use that in the film, okay? Mm. And um, the needles in the fingertips of the glove, um, they were mounted on a little plunger, okay? Uh, they were real metal plungers that, um, it was like an ear syringe mm. or something that Paul had found, okay? So is this um, is the story of this film? Is it sort of semi autobiographical for Paul Blaisdell? Because <laughs> don't the aliens get run over by a truck? In uh, it? They do. Yes. 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 <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, and apparently, um, um, censorship of the time allowed the um, you know the running over of the saucer men and the attack with the ball because they're not humans who are actually suffering. They are aliens. That's how they got. Got round with it. Right. Yes. There was a spaceship yeah. in this he created as well, wasn't there? I think he he made the spaceship model as well, because mm-hmm. he did do miniature work as uh, occasionally. Yes, he did. So yes. I, I know. Yeah. He, it looked like, very, very, from what I gather, it, it's it's a bit like you know, kind of a shop bought kit sort of thing again, where he's just bought it and stuck a few extra bits on with a dome on the top. Mm. So, mm. Yeah. Now. um when you see the saucer man is under the front of the car, yeah, okay, yeah. in that close-up, um, that's actually um, Paul Blaisdell's hand, okay, and the slime that you see there, Kelly, are you listening? Um, the slime was yet. made out of apparently something called wild root cream oil, which was a hair preparation um, at the time, chocolate syrup, um, lime jello, and glitter, okay. That's what he made the slime out of. And at the same time that they were making this, Wa Chang's crew were next door doing the Black Scorpion, and that's exactly the slime that was coming out of the Black Scorpion's mouth. It's the same stuff. Right. They, oh, yeah, the they pinched slime. The, the slime from Paul Blaisdell to put it in the Black Scorpion's mouth. There you go. There's a connection. That is... That's a crazy batch so, of stuff. It's 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 see, it's funny you should mention Wa <laughs> yeah. Chang because... He he worked on Star Trek, didn't he? He did. And, then, and yeah. you look at this, and it is almost kind of this could have been a Star Trek alien. You know, this this could have been like the yeah. the, the one you know which is on the end credits with the the, <laughs> the head. It has it, it is one of his better creations, and it is almost in that kind of thing of you know yeah this could have been in Trek or Outer Limits or any of those shows, and probably been an okay alien. Um, the, no, no, you're absolutely right. C- certainly, yeah. the head, anyway. You know, the, not not so much the, the the suit and that, but you know, the the mask itself is kind of there. All right. Well, talking about the uh, mask itself, what do you rate it, Andrew? I'm I'm going to give this a seven and a half. Okay. Yeah, I'll g- I'm going to give it a seven. I, I I love the way they look. I think that the competency, like they look a little crusty to me, but um, the you know they're they're awesome. They're super. Ian. Fun. Yeah, I I'll give this one an eight because I think I think it uh, it's very professionally done. You can see he's learning his craft as he goes along. So yeah, I'd give it an eight. Okay. All right. Well, I gave it an eight as well. So that gives it a seven point six two five. Right? Yep. Highest so far. Right. Let me turn my page. 
if I can. There we go. Right. Considered to be the pinnacle of his work. 1958 brought along it, the terror from beyond space. Now, has everybody seen this? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay. How could that thing have gotten aboard? Why? Just to kill us? There's a usual reason an intelligent creature kills. It's hungry. What made you so certain it's intelligent, Colonel? Not just an animal. It opened the door to see compartment. In the silent void of outer space, puny man matches his cunning against a monster from Mars running rampant, howling for all the flesh and blood on Earth. It's it's very influential for sure, you know, um, and it would also be his final major monster creation. And um, but it was also a time when Paul was out of his element. You know, he was used to the quick and cheap working methods of you know Roger Corman and AIP and whatever, mm. and not the bigger studios like United Artists. And he was also used to making the monster suit around himself. Uh, so was kind of like shocked when he was told that uh, he had to make a suit for the actor Ray Crash Corrigan. Now, I'm guessing all of you know the whole story about Ray Crash Corrigan and this suit. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, yes. Now... We, we did a we did an we episode, did an episode it. on it. Yeah, so I, I would refer people back to when yeah. Ian and I spoke about this. Yes, about how Ray refused to go to the costume fittings, so um, Paul had to make them up, you know, based on long johns and whatever. Yeah. Um, and the whole, you know, notion of you can see Ray Crash Corrigan's chin sticking out of the mask. Yeah, but out, what do yeah. you think of yeah. it as a yeah. film and as a creature design? Um, I've all, I already know Ian's, but uh, what about you, Kelly and Andrew? I, I like the movie. Yeah, I think it's like you know one of the better of that period, um, and obviously went on to influence you know a lot of other movies, including Alien. But uh, you know, I always thought the monster was effective when I was a kid. Um, I do like the costume. Um, you know, some of the pictures I've seen of it like highlight the detail better than others um and there is quite a lot of surface detail on one of the pictures i'm looking at here in terms of like almost mm -hmm. like plates and scales um and oval like lid sections so um yeah i do like it i think it's a good creature what about you kelly yeah i i i always you know i'm less of a special effects guy than a film like and I loved this film. It was it's unintentionally comic. I mean, the things I remember are the spaceship is huge. You know, <laughs> it's just this palace of a spaceship, and they're repeatedly firing guns and grenades inside the spaceship, which was cracking me up. And the <laughs> yes, yeah. There's a lot of artillery <laughs> inside the spaceship, but uh, I felt like it was the film was great. I really liked the monster. The, the uh, Corrigan's chin sticking out of the mouth was a bit distracting because yeah, it looks like yeah. a big tongue yeah. or something, you know. But um, yeah, just like Andrew was saying, w when you look at close-ups, it it 
you know, the texture on the creature, especially the chest and the hands. It's so cool. This is one of his creatures. I actually like the body more than the head. Yeah, I, okay. I, I'd probably agree with that, actually, because, you know, they are, the, the three big three-fingered hands are really cool, and, um, yeah, they're, they're, yeah, they're sort of, it's, it's, yeah. it's the mouth that lets it down, really, in the nose. Um, mm. But, again, it does have those little spiky kind of ears at the side. Yeah, it all... Well, I, I don't know much of... You guys know more than I do, but it seems... No, after oh, you, ahead. Kelly. Who was that? Was that you, Eric? Oh, I was just going to say, the is was the body made in a different method than the head for Well, this it's this whole thing of, you know, Paul had to make it without knowing the right dimensions of, you know, uh, Crash Corrigan, and then had to take it in and stuff like that. So it, it is going to suffer, mm. isn't it? It's also, mm. it's, it's not the original head, no. is it? Because the original head, this is a second it's head. It's Invasion of the Saucermen, again. Yeah. It had to be taken in to, uh, to fit his head. I, mm. Again, I'll put it on Facebook. Um, there's good photos of the original head as Paul Blaisdell sculpted it and as, yeah. that, as it looks, uh, you, you know, in the film. And it is radically different. I've oh, yeah, I'd love to see I the original I think this skulls. is uh, probably the only creature as well that he did where the actual actor's real eyes are visible as well, aren't they? They're not like, they're yes. not false eyes. Uh, the actor's eyes are actually looking out of the yeah. mask, um, yeah. which I suppose like adds, adds a little bit of realism to it as opposed to just like ping pong balls or whatever he was yeah. using. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, to me, I mean, it looks great in stills, especially black and white stills, but when you see it moving, it's a voyage mm. to the bottom of the sea monster, basically, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, just lumbering around like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's not. It's not shot particularly no, well. No. No. Um, and this isn't related to to Paul's skills, but I did like that they had a big guy in the costume instead of a little guy mm. wearing lifts. You know, I feel like that's one of the reasons the monster is yeah. a bit scarier. Is because he's, he's actually, got the bulk, you know, hasn't a he? huge. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Yeah. And also, yeah. it as a film, it works because I remember as a kid watching it, it scared. Yeah. Yeah. The life out of me. It, was, it, it works as a film. You can see, like you see, uh, Andrew says, you can see the influences in Alien. And, you mm -hmm. know, as we discussed last time, there's there's a couple of scenes where you you watch it and you think, yeah, Ridley, you watch this. <laughs> um, no matter what you say. Um, when did you guys record the... Uh, I I somehow missed it. Oh, that's a long time ago. for this. That's yeah, an old episode. Early, I'll send you the link, Kelly. Yeah, yeah, Thank yeah. Thank you. A long time back. Two, two hours of me and Eric. I think what would be interesting is, like, not none of us with a lot of these movies, you know, well, how would we have been if we'd have been a six or seven-year-old watching this at the time, you know? Yeah. Like, would, yeah. would it have true. had the impact... Mm -hmm. You know, uh, and I'm sh I'm sure absolutely. you know you would have been absolutely terrified of this creature at that age. You and know? especially a yeah. six-year-old in a cinema, yeah. in the dark, yeah, uh, as well, in, in, in yeah. that era yeah. of filmmaking. You know, I think a lot. Yeah. I th in fact, I think a lot of these monsters probably would have worked much better at the time. It wouldn't have been necessarily just laughed at. Um, mm. You know, I think in hindsight we yeah. we do mock some of these creatures, but uh, you got to take it into co context. Yeah, haven't yeah, you? definitely. Yeah. Context is everything. Yeah. All right. Well, context-wise, what do you give it as a rating? Anyone want to go first? Go on, and I'll I'll give it a nine. I think this is this is his most confident mm -hmm. work, and mm -hmm. also this I think it's probably the 
although I love it, conquered the world for the wrong reasons. Uh, this is this is the best film that one of his creatures has appeared in. I think I'm going to give it an eight and a half. Uh, I, I do think it's a great creature. I think it's like iconic. You know, definitely. It's probably not quite as iconic as some like creature from the Black Lagoon. Um, you know, to most people who would recognise that, but um, I think to sci-fi fans it is. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to give it an 8. I I feel like if the head would have not been a rushed second head, it would have been amazing to see. Um, so I look forward to seeing what the original looked like. But um, yeah, this was a... It's not my favorite, but it's the most, like like was just said, the most uh, confident of his creations. And yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's great. And I think it's, it's probably the only one of his creations that appears... Uh, in a board game in the 1971 oh, document yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. in the back yeah. pages. So. Well done, Ian. Well done. That's a good bit yeah. of, right, good I'll put that trivia, link up. Yeah. Well done. I think I think <laughs> I did mention earlier on as well uh, uh, that one of the uh, things I've seen online that said you know this is one of the very few ones where he did sort of work with clay and physically sculpt stuff as opposed to just building stuff. You know, in, yes. And it's a shame yeah. really that it was like probably one of his last creatures because you know had he done more. Yeah. With a, a budget, um, I always like l- like looking at the pictures of uh, Rick Baker and Doug Beswick building Octo Man, and that's really in a Blaisdell sort of mold, isn't mm. it? Of them, yeah. of them building over Definitely. like a, a yeah. man in long johns and sticking on bits of foam and tentacles, and that's really that technique of what Blaisdell sort of, I suppose, perfected in a way. Uh, if you want to, yeah. How? Um, yeah, I'm. I, was say, I how found old the. Was uh, Oh, he wasn't. He wasn't very old when he yeah, passed away. Well. I think he was only in his mid fifties. I, th- I think yeah. he was about 50, yeah. 53. So he was still a young man when he's doing this. He was yeah. still learning yeah. his. You know, I mean, I bet if we looked at some of our models from mm. when we were thirty, yeah. I think I think he was just <laughs> yeah. hampered yeah. by. You know, he had this imagination and he had this creativity, but he wasn't with studios that could actually, you know, yeah. um, you know, bring out the best in him. Mm. You know. Well, what, the Cine Fantastique yeah. has a, a pa- concept painting by him for a film, uh, Goliath and the Dragon, from 1960. Now, I imagine it never happened, but uh, it's, a, it's a cave, and there's a guy there in, like, a loincloth, and there's an actual dragon attacking him. Uh, yes. You know, maybe he's about three times as big, so, you know, I, I don't know how he would have done that had he got you know, around to making that movie. No, they um, commissioned him to do art, but nothing came of it, did it? Yeah, yeah. and he did props yeah. as well. I know he did the um, the big syringe for the Amazing Colossal Man and things like that, so he did props as well. Yeah. Uh, various bits and pieces, you know. He, yeah. He, he, it's, a, it, it's a shame because here, you know, um, you know uh, with it, you know, um, that, I didn't say, but that rating came in at 8.375, which is the highest rating we've given so far, mm. you know, and that's kind of like the pinnacle of his work because after that, right. he um, he was in the uh, the Ghost of Drag Get Drag Strip Hollow, right, um, and that was his final screen appearance um, because it was kind of prophetic because he was playing himself, wasn't he? He he was playing, it was almost like a Scooby-Doo type sketch. He's the guy behind the monster playing the monster, wasn't he? Right. I've never seen it. I don't know. Isn't that, didn't he reuse the She Creature He's in the She Creature outfit, yes. They tried to, Mm -hmm. the the kids, you know, very Scooby-Doo, they tried to exercise a ghost from this haunted house 
um, um, and and the ghost in the end is a mere mortal in costume, which is Paul Blaisdell in the she creature outfit, you know, and um, yeah, it's a, it's a real downer to end on, you know. Um, yeah. After that, as as Andrew says, you know, he was commissioned to create concept art for that Goliath and the Dragon, but nothing came of it. Okay. Yeah. And he quit uh, shortly after that. He quit. It's very strange. After every everything we've been talking about tonight, you know, he was only in the film business for five years. That's that's yeah. all he was in wow. for. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Not now, a long time. Well, it sounds like it, it sort of chewed him up. And well, it's not just out. that. I don't know if you're aware of it, but uh, one of the reasons that, you know, he was, um, you know, in obscurity in the 50s and almost unknown in the uh, 60s and 70s was uh, a fallout that Paul had between him and famous monsters of Filmland. Do you know about this? Yeah, mm-hmm. it didn't. I know that the uh, didn't the studio burnt down where they used to publish it or something. No, that no, no. You're getting ahead of yourself. What what happened there was um, he was in the very first issue of Famous Monsters of Filmland, and as I say, Forrest J. Ackerman was his agent. Right. But Paul kind of like slagged off the magazine um, and said rather negative things about it. That the publisher. A guy by the name of James Warren, you know, the guy who came up with Warren Publications. Right. Um, he 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 said there is going to be a ban on any mention now of his name, even though all the films that he you know worked on were being featured quite heavily. Right. Uh, he wasn't allowed to be named. Okay. okay? Yeah. So mm. when he got out of the business, um, he and Bob Burns they set up their own magazine. This is what you're talking about, Andrew. Um, it was a magazine called Fantastic Monsters of the Films. And it's a magazine yeah. now now would actually sell quite a bit because it was way ahead of its time, you know. Each mm. one was focused on a Paul Blaisdell creation. There were how, how-to articles and how to make this, how we did that. You know, all behind-the-scenes stuff. Right. Um, all focusing on special effects. Uh, but it only ran to um, like seven issues or something. And then there was a fire at the printers, um, which Bob Burns yeah. reckons was deliberate. It was some sort of insurance scam. And that destroyed all the plates for the following issue and tons and tons of um, irreplaceable stills belonging to Paul Blaisdell. Right. Ah, uh, it's a shame. Yeah. Um. um and the final thing I've got to say for him is this magazine that he created, Fantastic Monsters of the Films, was a direct influence on director Bill Malone and also um, Andrew, I know you know these guys, uh, Robert and Dennis Skota. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, they cite this magazine as a huge influence right. on getting them into special effects. Ah, oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like um, uh, Burns and Blaisdell had a falling out. Oh, no, no, no. They they did have a personal falling out where Bob Burns was told that Paul Blaisdell wasn't happy with him over something. And it wasn't until uh, Paul died that his widow, Jackie, went to him and said, what was that all about? And Bob Burns was like, I don't know what was going on there. It seemed that somebody was turning Paul against Bob or something or other, Mm. and it was never reconciled before uh, Paul died. 
unfortunately. That's too bad. And yeah, yeah, Paul, you know, he ended his years, he turned uh, to carpentry jobs and ended his life as like a handyman or something. Right. Well, not that there's anything wrong uh, with no, that. No, I, no, um, that's not what I'm saying. As as I put earlier on in my first book, this kind of adage about, you know, how come people seem to actually put more effort into making movies when they had less to make things with, yes. you know, than what they do now. I mean, you know, you see these movies now where they can throw anything on the screen and you're thinking, no one's put any effort into it, though. But th yeah. this guy had dollars to work with and he put his heart and soul and, you know, you... I think that's what you've got to remember. You know, it's easy to boo-hoo these movies and the creatures that were created, but you've got to think, no, you know, if you were in the same situation as this guy in the 1950s, you know, and given a handful of money to make a monster, you'd try your best, wouldn't you, to get one on the screen? You know, yeah. e even if it turned out to be, you know, a bit crap in the end, but, you know, you would try, because it's a chance to work in Hollywood and make monster movies and things. Um, and he got the job done, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah, he did. And, you know, we're still talking about his stuff now, you know. So uh, there's, there's something about that. There's still fans of his work out there. Um, so, he, he, you know, he's not been forgotten. He's not been sort of... He's not a lost sort of person. I mean, the, the Cine Fantastique article is Hollywood's Forgotten Monster Maker. You know, that's what it says on the front. Mm. And, uh, mm. yeah, but maybe a lot of people haven't heard of him, but there's a lot of people who have. And being influenced by him as well. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Ian, are you still there? Yes, I was, uh, I was just um, listening there. I, yeah, I think because it's such a short period of time, I think he his enthusiasm drove mm. him. Um, yeah. where, whereas I think today, and, and I think CGI artists and that get a lot of um, uh, stick. For, but I think you probably have to see it as a job than as a yes. passion. Um, yeah. Otherwise, you do get burnt yeah. out very quickly. Yeah. Especially in today. I mean, the the, the classic one is the um, the remake of the thing, where you, you actually you see the 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 special effects guys Alec Woodruff, I think, and the other guy going into the screen in premiere and they're so enthusiastic saying this is we love this this is brilliant practical effects all the way through. and then when they're interviewed coming out they're so mm. shocked because all of their practical effects were and i think afterwards they've said that this happens all the time i think you must have to almost not not care mm. anymore to get these films made and i think perhaps paul blaisdell mm. did care and that's probably why it didn't carry on very yeah. long. Well, I think I think there's a balance because yeah. you know that's that's my work is creating things yeah. that someone else envisions or I envision half of it. And at, at the end of the day, I have to like my work, but I can't I can't really require that everybody else sees it the way I see it, no, or yeah. I am going to get dissatisfied. And but you know, would, his would you still would you enjoy doing what you're doing if you were sat at a bench exactly making the same exactly. pair of jeans eight times? Right? A no, day? I wouldn't. Yeah. No, I wouldn't. Yeah. So it, you know, I, I mean, obviously, I don't know this fellow, but in just reading a few uh, pieces about him, uh, he reminds me of people I know that they're going to put in, you know, 20 hours a, a day yeah. and um, they've they've overspent mm. their resources yep. and they burn so out. You, and it's a bummer. You can only you can only do that for a certain amount of time. And it, it's very much like fan films and things like that. You, you People will 
we'll put in the 20 hour days we'll work and sleep on the floor and for one perhaps two films and then it's no i'm being yeah. taken advantage yeah. of yes right um, right and it, it's the same with every i mean eric you've probably lost count same time number as me as people that will say oh can you make this kit mm. for me and you say okay i'll do it for this amount of money but you enjoy mm. doing it why should i pay you you enjoy yeah. doing yeah. it <laughs> and i think there's an element of this roger corman yeah. especially was it i mean he was brilliant at getting things for nothing yeah but for yeah, some, you're, you're pro- yeah, for, you're probably right because yeah. yeah, there is that attitude with someone if they've got an artistic ability, right? Yep. You you would want to do it anyway. You yeah. like it, you know. It's like, well, I still like paying my rent too and yeah. getting yeah. eight hours of sleep. It, it's the know? classic. <laughs> yeah, 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 I, I, yeah, I've been asked numerous oh, times you know, when right. I used to work doing yeah. computer stuff. Uh, people would contact me through my blog and we, oh, we want a spaceship, we want this, we want that. Okay, what sort of budget have you got? Oh, we haven't, you know. Uh, but you'll get exposure, yeah. like you said, the exposure. And and, yeah. it, and even you're only pressing a yeah, few and, buttons. And, and, and now on, with yeah. me doing kind of more practical stuff, I do kind of makeups and stuff like that. Again, people often say, "Well, yeah. you," know, and you you think, "Well, hang on a minute, you know, you've you've got this actor coming up from wherever, so I assume they're getting paid, but I'm not." Yes. You know, or you you, you yeah. don't right. seem to have any money for me. Um, you can buy me dinner and you can get me to location, but you don't seem to want to actually pay me for my time and. You know, occasionally I like to make the decision of like, well, oh no, it does seem like an interesting project. I will put some time into this. Other times yeah. you say, look, you know, if you've got no money, then that's that, you know. Um, but um, I think the um, the thing is, though, about like the, the, the creative side of stuff, what we were saying is like, um, I, I met a prop maker who worked on one of the Harry Potter films and spent a lot of time making like stuff for this treasure room, which when they actually seen the final film said there's so much treasure in that room you can't see anything they made. And he said, I felt really disheartened that I'd spent all the time making these goblets and these vases and everything. But he said, there's just this massive treasure. And he said, my stuff's in there somewhere. But he said it could have just probably yeah. been kind of like plastic kind of wine glasses from Sainsbury sprayed silver. He said that you would have got the same effect because he said you can't see anything that I actually sculpted or put into it. And he said, you know, um, I I like kind of the whole low budget mentality because I think when you do something low budget, you you feel like you're contributing something to a project. Yeah. When you're working on um, a film like say The Hobbit, there must have been so many people who spent time uh, texturing and rendering and doing yeah. kind of st- put, putting hairs yeah. into feet. Uh, and things like that, who just never ever get like the time of day. But mm. when I've worked on stuff in the past, you know, it's like I know it's not going to get the exposure of Sisson like The Hobbit, but you feel like you've contributed more to it. You can say, yeah, I definitely helped out on that. And besides doing my job, I probably held the light stand for a few shots as well because you know the there was shot of people doing that as well. So you you know you do feel like you've you've been more than just like a a cog in the wheel. You feel like you've been a bit more important. Well, another thing that's changed is social media because, I mean, look at what Eric, he he puts his builds Mm. up on Instagram, right? And he's got quite a few people that are enjoying and following him. And that's something that's different today, you know? So if you you really want that recognition and you want that 
um, that community, you can find that today. And in the eighties, right? Like, where did you find mm. those people that, you know, you can connect with thousands of Yeah. I mean, I, I, I wrote a letter to Martin Bauer, um, who did the models for Alien and Outland back in the 1980s. And it never obviously got to him. And then years later, when the advent of the internet, I did manage to get in touch with him. And he said, sorry, I never got your letter. Right. You know, and I, I, I right. and I sort of said, well, this is what was in it and stuff. Um, and he said, oh, I'm really sorry, you know, that I never ever got it. But you know, now I've talked to plenty of people who were who were heroes of mine, you know, and, yeah. and people have liked things on my Instagram. Yeah. I'm thinking, oh wow, they've liked that on my Instagram account. You know, yeah. that's amazing that they're liking my stuff. You know, that's and cool. that's the problem, yeah. isn't it? You know, Paul, um, he he created all these creations that you know are love so mm. much. And only now, with social media and everything, it gets the exposure. Like we were saying at the top of the show, you know, um, the majority of us have never seen these films. Yeah. You know, um, but only now can we actually experience them. It's just a shame that Paul never got this acknowledgement. Yeah. Did, in did his he? Time. Uh, did he have a family? I don't know whether he had any children or not. I don't know. So I, I mean, you know, know, it'd be interesting to see, you know, whether you know that they, they, they know kind of how popular the the dad became in a way you know and it would be it would be nice to think wouldn't it mm. yeah mm. well it sounds like uh jackie should have yeah. got a lot yeah more oh she, she was crucial mm. yeah that came across yeah. in everything i saw yeah 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 all right okay well that's our hundredth uh, episode over uh folks thank you um you three for taking part i don't know if this has come out at all um <laughs> we're not re-recording <laughs> we might have are we? to redo this tomorrow yeah, yeah, and if it doesn't come out, you can just put on Facebook that the recording got run over by a truck. Very good, mm. thank you, Ian. Thank you, Ian. But um, on the off chance it actually did come out, thank you, um, Ian, Kelly, and Andrew for tonight. Hundredth um, episode. Oh, I never really thought I'd get to a hundred uh, episodes. I'm very proud of the fact that we got to a hundred. Thank you for all my. We should be proud. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, good good job, Eric, because yeah. it, it's so much work on your part, and you've done an awesome job, and you've had an episode every week, which I think is amazing. Yeah, no, so no, well no, 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 yeah. yeah, but I couldn't have done it without you guys, and, and that's what I was going to say, you know, all my co-hosts, you know, um, I wouldn't have made, made it to 100 without you guys, you know, if it was 100 episodes of me talking, <laughs> I would have given up about episode three. Or something. So, yeah, I, I would just like to say before we go, yeah, thank you, Ian. Thank you, Kelly. Thank you, Andrew. Also, all my other co-hosts, um, Matt, Dave and Tim and Chris over at uh, Star Wars in Character. Also, Wade Burton, Alan, Mark over here in the UK. My brother, Kevin and Jeff, uh, Jeff McGee. Also, um, special guests, uh, Roger Christian and Martin Bauer. Thank you all. <laughs> We've made it to 100. Don't, and yeah. uh, Don't forget to thank your listener. And thank you to my uh, listener. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thank you, Ian. <laughs> That's what I love about this show. Yeah, you keep me grounded. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all. Thank you, anyone listening. Thank you, anyone who took part. Thank you uh, for getting us to 100. Here's to the next 100. Thank you very much, everybody. Are you all guys going to say good, good night? Yeah, Good, good night. Yep. Good night. Good night. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.